Hello, friends. Hi. Back for part two. Looks like you found us. <laughs> so glad you did. So thank you for listening to part one of our review of Gentleman Jack, episode six, Do Ladies Do That? Well, yes, they do if they're enlisted. And so this is part two. Still jaunty. A bit more sobbing, for sure. Some sniffles. If you hear some moments of silence, it's because emotions are being had. Yeah, and that's what happened. There was lots of weeping. There was lots of weeping. But we hope you enjoyed part one. Here comes part two. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century grubbling. 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 Good lord. So after the scene, where do we cut to? If there's a cut, I want to say it's Cordingly's cut, where it's um, Elder Anne and uh, Catherine Rawson and... Yeah, it's Cordingly. <laughs> Cordingly goes into the drawing room where fucking, fucking Aunt and Captain Lister and um, oh, Argus, no. Argus Argus are in there sleeping, all three of those <laughs> bitches. And it's adorable, quite frankly. They're all sleeping and have a nice midday nap, a good nap. Right. Quite possibly, definitely the most adorable frame in the episode. And Elizabeth is just like, ma'am. Ma'am. My sister. Ma'am! Ma'am! <laughs> and she wakes her up. And she wakes up everybody with yeah. that ma'am. Everybody's like, oh shit, oh what? And what I love about, like this is such a small detail because you can't even really hear it. But like in that moment where she's like, ma'am! In the subtitles, where they have like Aunt Anne, like, oh, they have Argus as growling. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. Argus growl. is like, Ugh. yeah. Mm. Bitch, I, I was sleeping. Right. And show enough, my old dogs do that. Oh, Lord. Captain Liz is just like, what was going on? And Courtney Lee's like, look, we got a note from Anne from Crow Nest. And so Auntie opens it up. And, uh, and she's like, um, yeah, Eugenie's packing an overnight bag and she's staying in. Eugenie, the usual arrangements, please. Because yeah. mm-hmm. she's staying at Crow's Nest. And uh, I, the messenger or footman or whomst have you is downstairs just waiting to see if you want to send back a reply. And she's like, oh, no, there's no need for a reply. And Courtney leaves the scene and uh, she exchanges words half lucid with <laughs> uh, Captain Lissa, where she's like, oh, well, she's spending the night in Crow's Nest. Um, I thought things were. No, <laughs> I thought things were over with with Ann Walker. They're both like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's like, bitch, I don't have a reply because there is no reply that needs to be sent to this. I mean, it, their faces are the best. It's Aunt Anne that's like, right. oh, I thought, I thought everything was, was off. And, and they just look at each other right. like, bitch, whatever. And, and I just, they you, back to sleep. they went back to sleep. There's, it was not eventful. And I get the idea that this type of fluctuation, especially with everything we know about Mariana and Anne, that this is, like we said, it's Anne Lister behavior. And the people who are her most permanent people in her life, like her auntie and her dad, they've seen this behavior. Mm-hmm. Anne is with the woman. Things are going well. Things are not going well. Anne is traveling again. Anne is with the woman. Things are going well. Things are not going well. Anne is traveling again. This is literally the cycle. So basically what I'm saying is the situation is not unique at all. And for old Captain Lister and Aunt Anne Walker, they're like, whatever. Because literally Anne was like, she's so, I can make her so happy. She's so nice. She's so sweet. She's like perfect for me. I'm perfect for her. I really think we could work together. But you know, it's off. It's off. It's off. She's in sipping anyway. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even. And later that day, Later that day, she spends. She night. gets a letter and she's like, 
why is my niece so fucking gay? <laughs> These lesbians always got so much damn drama. I know I'm not going to write a letter back. I'm not going to write a letter back accordingly to say what? Okay. <laughs> Have fun. Happy Grubbles. The fuck? So that was a fun little comedy scene in between all of the horror that we actually get this episode. Yeah. Thanks, Sally. Thanks for mixing it up a little bit. So we're just not feeling like we want to drag ourselves across the street when we watch this thing. So after this, we immediately get a cut to the kitchen where James is waiting for Eugenie to bring down said overnight bag to return to Crow Nest. And James is waiting at the servant table. He's asking about Eugenie. He's asking about Eugenie. And he's there sitting with um, Hemingway, who's at the table. And accordingly, he's just like standing up somewhere. And he asks about her, you know, where's she from? Where's she from? And I think Elizabeth says, Diep. And hating ass Hemingway, which is my new term for her, because I was like, yep. are you a hater of Halifax? I heard what you said about John Booth. Because we screamed about it and we're like, bitch, if you feel this way, shoot your goddamn shot. Exactly. Why are you out here perpetuating women against women aggressiveness when that's not necessary? When Eugenie don't want that motherfucker, shoot your shot for John. But she's real rude because she's like, um, well, wherever she's from, we're not overly impressed between you and me. Are we Miss Cordingly? And it's like, wow. Why you got to obligate Elizabeth to your fucking shady gossip? And obviously she wants a piece of John Booth. That's what I'm getting. That she wants John. John doesn't see her. John sees Eugenie. So she's angry. She's upset. That's how I read the situation as well. Because um, she does descend uh, with the overnight bag. And she's like, oh, voila. And then sits down and is like, oh, oh wait. And then we also hear, it's just me. Because, you know, uh, John. John has entered the scene. John. He's delivered. John the, has entered the, the chat. John has left the chat. Right. <laughs> no, he does. He comes in while Eugenie is trying to make eyes to James. I'm like, is it even that and difficult? Body I, I, language where her whole body, body was language. turned away from John. Well, she <laughs> was technically kind of turned away. I mean, she looked at him when he came in, but then she turned back away like, ugh. And, <laughs> I mean, are we supposed to blame Eugenie? I mean, John now, has like three now. girls and that's fine. But Eugenie doesn't like, maybe she doesn't want to, maybe she's not interested. But at the same time, I'm sort of like, this is where I feel like it's het nonsense where in a lot of het pairings, especially when you look at the institution of marriage over the years, and especially in English society with the aristocracy, love was not a component. That's something that comes up all the time in this fucking show and elsewhere is that love isn't a consideration. Whether or not you love that motherfucker, it's not, the people don't care. They're like, that's not, that's not necessary. Right. We don't need those facts. So I just think it's absurd for people to think that Eugenie should count her stars lucky because a nice guy like John was willing to take her in after she was knocked up, even though he couldn't communicate with her, didn't know anything gonna, about her. I'm not even going to entertain thoughts like that. Like, what you mean? Uh, to me, it plays into be... the nice guy myth. Right, well, he's now. a nice guy, so doesn't he deserve a wife? Well, doesn't again. Doesn't he deserve somebody, Terrence? He's a nice guy. So that woman who's not overly impressed with... Uh... With Eugenie, why, why is she not shooting her shot now? She's got time. He's got space. She should just do it. But she's not. You know why? Because John's not looking at her and she's oh, mad. Ooh, well. Because hasn't Cornelie been in, I mean, we can assume Cornelie been at Shibden for a minute. So yeah. thusly, she has been exposed to John Booth and they have not got on to the um, Amoroso. They've not smashed it. They've not done what the heads do. So I don't know what her problem is, but she needs to turn it away from Eugenie, who just I got agree. here to Halifax. She don't know nobody. She don't got no real friends. Her only friend is Cornelie. Who speaks French and you out here shading the hell? I don't think she's that pretty. I don't even think she's that great. She like, speaks whatever. 22% French. I mean, it's cute. It's, it's a struggle. You didn't even give her a quarter. You said 22%. 22% French. Wow. Wow. And then, so, wait. Did 
John and James greeting each other by last name, where it's like, um, uh, Mr. Booth. <laughs> I'm like, oh. John is the first one to acknowledge him, and he's like, Mr. McKenzie. And so James replies, Mr. Booth. <laughs> I'm like, huh. And then he okay. goes to leave. And Elizabeth adds on the end because she's just trying to like, she's probably one of those people that hates awkward space. And she's just sort of like, thank you, John. That's lovely for what he brought in. Yeah, the gross. And he's like, and he just, we see John walking out, just shaking his head like mad. And um, and I'm like, okay, but Eugenie doesn't owe nobody a goddamn right. thing. So people I just need to like, ease that. I like that I see Eugenie in a good mood. I mean, it sucks that, you know. She just had a miscarriage. Right. If she wants to flirt with the motherfucker from Crow Nest, let a bitch flirt. I mean. She deserves some non-complicated right. romance if right. she can get it. Considering she's already involved herself with one dude who was a loser and then got himself shot. So. Yeah. Again, I just, I, I'm not ever going to feel more upset that John doesn't get a new wife versus Eugenie saying fuck your proposal. Like, that's, that's what she should have done. But after that shade, we are we're back at Crow Nest in Night Terrace. Isn't that fun? Oh, yes. Um, she's trying to wake up Anne Lister, um, who's staring, but she's still asleep. But she's staring. Well, she. Well, who's staring? Stirring. She's oh, stirring. Oh, like she's stirring. Uh, Ed Walker Anne is stirring. Yeah, and she's trying yeah, to get. Yeah, and that shot is so cute when it comes in because they're in the, they're in the bed. It's in the cuddles, and Anne Walker is the little spoon. And I just like little frames like this because I have a little mini fixation. And it's just really because it's about the lack of seemingly tender frames of queer couples doing basic shit. Right. Like holding each other in some kind of way, watching TV, reading, what have you. Just like in bed, doing normal shit. And if I sat and thought for a minute, I'm sure I could actually recall for you every single time I've seen a frame like this. And that's across all media. I really could go from plays to films and I mean from the silent era on, because I'm that ridiculous to things on TV shows, miniseries, that it is such a rare event for me to see same-gendered couples. Just to go off what we were saying in the last episode, like those types of sex scenes, like they can be fun, but that's actually not where my bag is in terms of what I wish people were doing. It's the tender stuff. It's the stuff that you don't get to see. It's the PDA that so many queer people are afraid to do depending on where they live because, well, someone might try to be an asshole and do harm to you. And so even though it's like only a half a second in the scene, I enjoyed that half a second. Yeah. She said the arm was over the waist and I was like, look, look. They're ladies in love. <laughs> and it made my heart warm, even though what would come afterwards would make my heart break. Because you know what? It's just so simple, but it's so necessary when it comes to normalizing queer couples. Like just normalizing the whole shit of it is you gotta show queer people doing the most basic things together, okay? And then watch how us queers respond ridiculously to that basic of shit. Course, because because we don't goddamn have it. Right, right, right. exactly, exactly. So whatever. We open up on this frame and I love it. I love it. Established. And Lister's holding on to Ann Walker, Lil Spoon. And then, unfortunately, that goddamn clock. It's the clock. It's Foley. All right. Foley's makes me think going of sound overdrive. of music. There's a clock. Right. Right. I Let me and not dip in that. And the bell in the steeple, too. But up in the nursery and a cellar together. It's popping out to say cuckoo. <laughs> Sorry. You know my crush on Georg. Uh, yes. <laughs> on the Baroness. So the Foley team is working overdrive because not only do we hit the clock, but we hit the draft. It's it's everything that would uh, everything but the the ghostly chains we hear. The ghostly chains. You know. Wow. Tonight you'll be haunted by three ghosts. <laughs> with the chains. The ghost rattling. of grumbling past. Right. The ghost of grumbling future. And the ghost of grumbling. She's present. like, and and and. Did you hear them? 
trying to have her to like they're saying that you're going to die well yes i'm going to die eventually well i like that. okay i'm just gonna say that when ann lister walks up or walks up when ann lister wakes up she goes hmm i'm here so i read that to actually be that this is not the first time and Walker has woken up and Lister oh, yeah, in yeah. this manner and probably said something like, where are you? Or just like, you know, woke up from a night terror. And as it can happen, that you still sort of think you're in the night terror when you first wake up. And so no awareness of what's going on. And then maybe like Ann Lister being in this habit of being like, oh, well, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here, babe. It's okay. Calm down. And then Amy like, no! Do you hear the spirits though? The spirits. And yeah, that's what happens. That's, it's the clock. They're hiding in the clock, evidently. Yeah, they're hiding in the clock. They're they're saying all these terrible things, um, like they're gonna and, kill her right? and her her girl. And you know she's she's trying to get a beat on who's. Are they always the same voices? Is it men and women? Is it just? I like men? that she's doing that. Yes. Although she does have a, it made me laugh when she was like, "They're going to they say you're gonna die. They're gonna kill you." She's like, "Well, well, we all gotta die." And she's like, "Don't be glib, man." serious right. i'm really scared that you could die so don't make jokes and i like that she was hearing the the voices of the ghosts in real time because she's like well what did they say shh, shh. she's like you know yeah i appreciate I, that i too. need to listen i need to interpret in case she's like there's a language barrier she's just trying to get all soak it all in and then she's like yeah they're hiding in the clock and listing yeah she like she delays some of her answers to Ann Lister where she's like well is it men like who is it men or women she's like men oh but there is a woman that one time and I'm like betraya how is there a woman voice tormenting Ann Walker but you know what it sounds like if I had to imagine it sounds like any voice you know who I'm gonna say you're playing with fire uh-huh, uh-huh. just like some contorted is evil demon voice yeah. of Mrs. Priestley mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. um so she gets her she gets out of the bed and she lights the 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 candle and um she oh right so she's in a clock to she's gonna door. try to go no to the don't clock. go that the the ghosts are out there just she said just yell at them through the keyhole yeah she's like you're going to die don't go out there just yell at them through the keyhole she's like she kisses her forehead before she leaves the room that oh, she does that. you didn't do the line where she's like they're going to kill you as well as me we'll both burn in hell for all of eternity like that is a line that animal delivers and Alice is like oh my god okay that's really intense what you were thinking is. there it that's is. really upsetting and sad I don't know what to say and before she can respond Ann Walker's like shh, shh they're still talking and they're saying even more they're so vile they're disgusting god again I just imagine that's the worst everything that Ann Walker's ever heard her brain is manifesting in could you in imagine itself. some sort of uh cis het monologuing what? internally and you can't Damn, make son. it stop no right that's uh, that's Ann Walker's current I would be torture. Ann Walker on the right. gravels but tormented like she was because I honestly cannot imagine that so and is face to face with the clock and saying no one's out here she's like well duh the spirits like you're not gonna see them but they can still get you and she's like look it's, it's just, just a combination so like she's serious yeah she she's is. serious Ann Walker <laughs> And Lister's going out there to be the protective bay to be like, look, I'm out there. And if it were me, if it were me, I would have burned down the clock. Like right. I would have been so extra. Like and Lister's like, let me take out the weights. Like this clock has value. Me, I'd have been like, babe, look what I'm gonna do. Look what I'm gonna do. <laughs> but take out the clock. I'm gonna beat it down. I'm gonna light it on fire and then throw the things in the courtyard. I would have worked if they were the only two in the house, but I'm pretty sure Miss Rawson would have been like, what the hell? What the <laughs> fuck? What is I'm like, no, it's like Catherine. She thinks the voice is in the clock. This is for her. This is for her. We're destroying <laughs> the clock. What do you mean? So this is her. She's taking the weights out of the clock to keep it from, you know, 
to making turn noise. down a foley. Making right? noise. And um, you can still hear the wind being extremely draftful. And um, here comes around the bend. I'm like, oh, the window's a, not closed. No, it does sound like it's drafty. Like there's, I don't know if there's a creaky. I thought Cronus was fly. But it... Right. Like <laughs> someone fixed something. James was hot one day. He forgot to close the window. Something. I don't know. Something happened. You know what Ann Lister reminded me of when she was going to get that clock? Gaston. But like the non-toxic version of kill the beast. But it's yeah. the clock. Like right. we have to get this match. clock. This clock is tormenting Ann Walker. We must destroy it. And then we get, uh, yeah, around the corner. It's um, She's in the hallway and then uh, Catherine, Catherine appears because yeah. Ann Walker's making noise. And she's like, what's going on out here? She's like, I was I was sleeping in my I room. Was sleeping, I was asleep in my room. And then she needed, I heard a thing and I went over. But uh, I really think she needs someone to stay with her. Would you? Would you? Would you like to? And Catherine's like, nah, bitch. I'm, I'm, I'm shooketh. I'm over. I'm out of my I, head. I can't. And she's like, well, she could definitely use a level. And then. Before I mean, Anne is empathetic with her. She's empathetic with yeah. her because she's not, I mean, to be sure, Catherine is not nearly as educated as Anne Lister. Right. And so her perception of what she's seeing with Anne Walker is going to be far more along the Park Hill nonsense of just like, it's somewhere between magic and evil and whatever, versus Anne Lister's very practical, intellectual, logical side of it where she's like, this is an issue and it can be fixed. It can be made better. We just have to try and do these things and these are the best things we can do for her versus Catherine who's like, ah, I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, oh. I wrote my mom yesterday and I told her I'm really having a horrible time here. Cross I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, that's a that's an aspect of her strength that clearly no one else in Ann Walker's life is able to display. Right, exactly. And so we have Catherine and she's about to deliver her second objection when her name is bellowed as Ann Walker was, you know, in hysterics in her room. And Lister was suggesting that Catherine go oh, in. Oh, but Catherine was like, I'm not and about Catherine that life. Like, and then so she's she, not about that life. She Oh, right, she pushes. backed out. She kind of backed out about it because she was right. like, I'm sure I'm scared. And here goes Ann Walker. Catherine? Right, exactly. Catherine, I hear you out there talking. And Catherine's like, fuck. Right. Fuck. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. Catherine, get away from there. The ghost is going to get you. And takes the weights out of the clock, presumably. And they get back to the room. Her and Catherine are in there. And they're basically flanking Ann Walker mm-hmm. with love and empathy and cuddles. As she has her She is taking out her Bible. Bible. Mm-hmm. She's taking out her Bible. And she is saying the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer. Prayer over and over again, looking really upset as she probably tries to drown out the voices that she hears. And... As the scene closes, we just sort of see Ann Lister take her into her chest and just try to comfort her. And Catherine just looks like, oh, my God, like, I don't even know. Like, that's what that's that's what I get off Catherine. She's like, I just don't know. Like, you know that she doesn't want Ann Walker to suffer, but she's just like, I have there's nothing in my wheelhouse of life experience that says I can deal with this or I know how to deal with this. Right. It's a it's everyone in that situation, in that room, in the, on that bed was Listen, Over head. Everyone the cuddle cocoon bed. is literally the only medicine that actually exists for Ann Walker. There is no other medicine for her. There is no antidepressants. There's nothing. So it's the cuddle cocoon. If you're not cuddling Ann Walker, where's her medicine? Where is it? She should always have a cuddle buddy. And I don't know if she's going to have one in Scotland. I concur. Right. I don't think she will either. <sighs> so after this scene, it's morning time at Crow Nest. And the scene opens with Ann and Catherine dressed and at breakfast. More than likely, Ann Walker is still in bed. Yes. Because... She she's ha- she has yet to feel bright enough to leave her room. So there's there hasn't been many moments where she has left her room. So I'm gonna say that that hasn't happened yet. I feel like they brought the water to her when she needed to use it. Um, she bathed in her room. It's all been in her. 
I mean, she just, yeah, like she's, and when you think about the fact that she's not, she's not been sleeping well. And even when later on in the episode, we have the scene with um, Ann Lister leaving, Catherine is still asleep. So you just get the idea that because of these night terrors, Ann Walker is up most of the night. She's not passing out till near dawn, if right. then, which then means she's sleeping till like two or three mm-hmm. to get her sleep hours. But yeah, the scene opens with them at breakfast and Ann Walker likely still asleep. And Ann Lister is asking if anyone has written to Ann Walker's sister. And Catherine's like, I don't know, but uh, someone should. should write. Someone should. Someone, someone should probably write a thing. So this is where, okay, so early I was excited, but this is ultimately where Ann Lister is ultimately saying to Catherine that, you know, for the extended family, uh, just keep mum on how severe her situation is because it's actually quite reversible like she's just only here now for a short spell that this is manageable we can take care of it actually honestly earlier in the year i didn't tell anyone but i took her to see a specialist in york for this very reason and you know this is his wheelhouse this is what he's really you know this is the nature of why she was going to specialize in this stuff and maybe he could help her out she does start off by saying too that she's like Catherine, look you have to try not to be too upset because I understand that this is an upsetting situation, but you shouldn't show it. But also know that you are doing all that you can for her, which is just being here for her, being strong, being supportive. And that's what you got to do. And that's fine. Also, here's some other advice about stuff. And that's just Anne being a bomb-ass person. She's just being a great individual. She's just being awesome. Because Lord knows, Catherine and her seven bonnets does not deserve it. But, you know, the fact that she comes around later in the scene is like, I obviously don't deserve this kindness because I've been a shit. I've been a shit to you. I've listened to everything people have said, the worst fucking things. And clearly, clearly I'm fucking wrong and I'm a fucking asshole because I've never seen such a display of affection and kindness and friendship and love in my life for someone. And here you were doing it for Ann Walker in front of my face. And I just, I feel ashamed. I feel so fucking ashamed that I was privy to this level of love between the two of you and I was talking shit about it. And I was like, okay, Catherine, you're back on my team. That, um, that was the way to do it. Right. She, like, that was the way. It takes a lot to stand against your family mm-hmm. because the family's all talking one way about Ann Lister, but she's physically seeing how selfless, who chooses to lose sleep until dawn to right, n- to right. Cradle and someone. at this point, there is literally no promise, no intention of matrimony. Right, right. So this is all Anne Lister and her heart and her actual concern, despite what the fuck she says, that she cannot help but do for little Miss Walker. And the fact that how hard she's working to protect her girl's reputation. And this is something we also saw in some entries when it comes to Marianne and other people, that that was something she was always concerned with. She was always like, hey, I'm not trying to fuck you up. I can take people talking shit about me and deal with it as I do, but I'm not trying to put you through that because I don't even think that you're as strong as me. You're not me. I'm really special and unique. Not everyone can take and do what I can do. So I'm trying to protect you from this stuff. And that's what she's doing for Ann Walker. She's like, look, just please keep it close to the vest how bad this is because her fucking family, if they know, they'll come in They'll put her away, right. And immediately Catherine's like, I I, I don't want that. That's That's not something I want. Right, Right, that's a hard blow. And that's when she's just sort of like, wow, like, um, can I just apologize for having ever listened to the motherfuckers who told me all these shitty things about you, AKA, and also Mrs. Priestley, because you are way too kind, affectionate, and selfless in how you're dealing with Ann Walker to just be a bitch. I'm about to go to the main house and smack her right now because, you know, she's always popping through any other time. Girl, fight. Girl, fight. Mrs. Priestley is always popping through. 
any other time. Where Miss Priestley at? Miss Priestley ain't been around. Nowhere. Good. To be seen. It's quite peculiar. <laughs> Where are you at, Miss Priestley? This is when someone's in need. You guys, I, mean, I finished this bottle of brandy. Terrence can attest. I mean, Miss Park Hill left the scene. She left the scene and was like, I can't like do this. Like a bitch. And I'm still mad you got Miss Priestley, what, staying away from the house, knowing that things are going to shit? Like, it's 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 upsetting, is what it is. And it really you know is. what? If I, they chose if they chose to not show me Mrs. Priestley for the rest of the series, I won't be upset. And I just love this scene, too, because it, like, never happens. That Anne, I mean, yeah, we see a lot of people doting on Anne Lister and her intelligence and things like that, but never someone coming back around with this very real and sincere acknowledgement of i was wrong not since miss Priestley, and when she opened but she episode never, four but she, she never like, admitted that she was wrong because she was on her bullshit and this oh, is no, Catherine. No. she did the other i was wrong I, i'm uh, such a fool i've been defending right, her all right. this time so she's like public. i was such a fool i, I thought was... you know the grebels were gonna come to me next but they're not and now i'm mad but yeah you're right and this is like this is the reverse of like here are the haters of halifax sending letters doing all kinds of things and finally through the show we have someone who's like i see you because I've actually been here to see you. I'm not just in town hearing wild stories about Anne and her braids and what right. is she doing to Lil' Ann Walker, but actually seeing you, interacting with Ann Walker, how you care for her, how you touch her, how you talk to her, to be like, why? how could I ever think anything bad was coming from you for her where she was concerned? And hell yeah, girl. I mean, you are a gift. I mean, the this is... If this is how you treat your friends, I should want to be your friend because no one's treating yes, me yes, like this. Yes, everyone wants a like friend like Ann Lester. Right. God. So after this, a letter, a letter about Anne and Walker, a thirsty patron saint, arrives in Scotland. Yeah. And we see Anne Walker's brother-in-law reading this letter that Anne Lister and Catherine were just discussing in the previous scene that needed to be written. And he's the one reading it. And then he walks to his wife, who was breastfeeding, and asks if she, she'd heard from her sister again. Because apparently it's been a week. Oh, so, okay. So now we're at a week's time period, which well, is fine. a week from when she last heard from Ann Walker. Right. So we're not sure how that places in the show's timeline. But well, no. it depends on if we think that the last time they spoke was, you should tell me what I should do with Ann Lister because I need advice. And if that's that correspondence that we're basing Actually, it off of. Actually, good you bring that up because that's in the diaries. That doesn't exactly happen in the show because remember we get like two letters from the sister and so we kind of like skip that and Got go it. to like we just all combine it in this idea of let me write to the sister about your health and your things and your things and your things and we have this idea that is obvious from the sister when the husband is like uh so your sister i'm tapping my head like a condescending prick that she's having these mental health issues and she's like well <laughs> I don't know, like, and Lister is really good for her. She right. really, she really, like, cares about her. Good, yeah. She's doing good stuff. So that's probably, what she, whatever she says is probably best. I mean, if she said doctor's good. Like, let's go with that doctor. And, she, and the brother-in-law's over here like, well, she may be good, but she's not family. So, you know. Fuck so- that. And like we said, sometimes family needs to be replaced. Sometimes you got to switch a motherfucker out. You got to trade. You got to draft your family members and draft someone in, draft someone else in who's new. And he's like, well, you know, in your current you we know, have condition. medical men in Edinburgh, and and with uh, you know, with this, um, I, he's not um, Pharaoh, so I'm not gonna call him Pharaoh. And with your other child, with the measles, um, oh can, yeah, he's like, you can't travel, bitch, and look at the baby. But measles, <laughs> I can't take but care I of this can. baby with and the measles. I, You're well, the woman, well, you do it. He said, why not? Why won't I also make a, a fun trip of it? Not only won't I go, but I'm I'll take my, my mama. Mom. I'm gonna take uh, my mama and fuck his mama. 
because we met her later in the episode. Yeah, I was like, fuck I was this, over bro. her. Fuck you know this, what? bro. I wish Elder Rawson had smoke for her. Like, you lived all these years and you're still. I wish her and Elder Ann Walker were in the same carriage that is the next to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> They've had good lives. But they gotta go because they're yeah. they're tormenting their fucking Gen Zers in this situation. It's like, how dare you? You're like, you've lived your life. You are at grandma stage and you still out here being this hateful and fucking trying to keep people's joy away from them. That's not cool. And um, immediately we're watching the show and we're like, no, 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 no. Right. Enter a Steve Carell gif because no, just all the bad is happening there. And then from there, we cut back to Shibden, Shibden Hall with Abbott, his mama. And I refer to this as double stacks of plaid because both Marion was wearing like a plaid Burberry thing. And then so was the mother. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah we, this is what we're doing. So we get this cut of them at this breakfast or brunch. And, you know, with, of course, an absent Ann Lister. But I'm looking for where Marion said that this would be the day that they were coming. Like there was a be down at four o'clock because that's when Mr. Abbott is coming for the first visit. But this visit here, it's like they set the plate. That's like true. they're just assuming that, you Sally know. Sally does not make a point to tell us, but we do know that anything can be revealed. In the scripts that is true. When we do the nightcap, but also inferred. Like, I don't know. Because it's one of those things where like, it doesn't necessarily have to be said in a hard handed fashion, but could help. I, I don't know. And then here we have Mr. Abbott using his B material because he used all his A material the first time and he doesn't want to repeat himself in case you Wow, did you say B material? Yes. Lord. (laughs) Yes. And of course, mom's there like, mom heard this speech like Aunt Anne is so annoyed. She's looking at him like, Marion, you have the worst taste, baby girl. Who is this? Why is he here? And the way she smiles, and I'm like, Lord. Stop it. Stop it. And what's even better is that we live for a very short time at this horrible, at this horrible tea again, or whatever, at Shipton Hall. And oh, then we cut to the het, the het romance that's blossoming in the woods. Oh, I think I it's took in the a woods. break again. It's in the woods. It's in the woods. And Thomas, and we like Thomas. We like Thomas. He killed his daddy who deserved to die. But at the same time, I'm like, why do I have to watch five minutes of Thomas? Uh, trying to court this girl when we all know it's unnecessary these lines are unnecessary you could tell me in the next episode that they are not married and i would accept it because these are the head rules that heads have set forth for us the watching audience and life that you can just have them get married and it's fucking fine but also i think it's our queer bias at this time because we're so just in love with gentleman jack that we're like what are these what are these people doing on the screen i don't understand why they're trying to shove this hetero romance down my throat. Why is this propaganda being stuffed down my throat? Can't you guys keep it on the indoors? Do you have to show? (laughs) Do you have to show what you're up to? What I noticed during this whole exchange with these two is that she's the one to bring up marriage. Oh, actually, that is true. And that is the one thing I did not mind so much because I was like, "Mm, I like that. Especially in this time, women being aggressive. Like, that's half the reason why Anne can't find a bitch on the grubbles unless she's instigating the grubbles because docility and submissiveness and letting someone approach you and all these other things have been drummed into women in various forms of society at different times for such a long period of time. And it, as we said, it plagues the queer community to this day with women in particular, is like, can I take this step? Like, can I, shall I, might I make up to this person? Or will I just be over here longing with like my intense stares and hope they can decode my stares? And just for me personally, because I'm more of the aggressive type, I can't even say how many friends and people I've spoken to who they're the opposite, where it's just like, 
they just, it's not something that is easy to, to broach, to be like, I am the one that'll be like, marry me. I'm going to be the one to get on my knees. I'm going to be the one to ask you on a date, blah, blah, blah. You know, gender is a construct, but still with the way society is constructed, people of certain genders end up falling prey to certain activities. Yeah, they do. Whether they like it or not. And then it fucks they up your do. fucking life, unfortunately. But uh, you like the little romance in the woods? Well, I feel nice. like I, I escaped the, the recording and refilled on the gin when that happened. She did um, re- She did call that woman an old fossil. And I'm like, that's rude, Susanna. It was. She was like, no, I'd She's rather. She's teaching you suing. Right. <laughs> like you're learning a skill and you'll be a tradeswoman who's also learned so that you can have a sense of a salary and be an effective housewife that, um, Yeah. Like, I mean, a, she's just she. They she's segue like, from. Uh, she's like, all I need now is the house, and then you know. Lord, I mean, she's the one who does a smooth segue into het marriage because I think she's saying that the woman is uptight and stuff, and she has more fun at her place. And then she's like, "What about you?" And he's like, "Well, after ever since my dad died." So it's a little bit of insight into, you know, Thomas for her, whether or not she clocked it, who really fucking cares? But I suppose that's what that's supposed to be. They're like these two heads. Like we talking. can be together and then, you know, I can move out of the big house and just kind of help you with the farm. Oh, she's like and the pigs. We could like plant help pigs. Take I said pigs. plant pigs. I wow. Can, too I much brandy. Teach, uh, your you can't plant the pig. How to read. I could teach the feral kids English. Somebody teach those children English. And then, of course, Thomas Adams like, well, then you can help me when I He's sign like, could the I not sign renters. Next? Right. If so, I could just, you know, also be literate. That would be cool. <laughs> She was like, well, I had different plans for you, but I could teach the kids how to read. Isn't it wild how we take literacy for granted in this country? I mean, certainly in any first world country, but just in general, the concept of reading. And then you go back and this isn't even this is in the 19th century. That really isn't that far away to be like, wow, at least half the motherfuckers in this place, if not more, could not read. And the type of manipulation and lack of access you have when you simply cannot read the words on a thing or a sign. Just incredible. And uh, that's what I like about these period pieces, because you're just like, what the fuck were humans up to at this time? This is ridiculous. Oh, I think we have some we have some jaunty music. God, it's been forever. Well, guys, it's it's time to jaunt again. I can't believe it, but we're back at Shibden, and the Rawsons are up to no good. Anne comes in, and Marion immediately informs her of drama, and that is that Washington has come to see her, because evidently the Rawsons are filling in Willie Hill Pit. They are demolishing all the sheds, according to him, and pulling up the access road. And Anna's like, hold up, wait up. The access road is on my land. He's like, yeah, I know. Exactly. That's what I was trying to tell him, but they don't give a fuck. That's what Marion got from Washington. And then Marion communicates it to Anne. And before she can finish communicating it to Anne, Anne is out the door. Right. But also she does the thing where she's like, well, our land. Because, you know, for some reason. That's true. That's right. And was like, that's on my land. And she's like, well, that's what I... Our, our land, land. <laughs> our land, our land, the land that we two, the two of us, two, since, since two listers, we're both listers, we're right. both listers, we're listers both sisters, land. sister listers, what about that? But yeah, she's like, yes, that's a t-shirt. And then after she walks out and because, um, you know, Anne is already jaunting out by the minute she hears it, she calls out after her like, and you missed Mr. Abbott and his mother. Well, bitch, you never told me they were coming. She's, but don't I, I even mean, matter. we don't know. But yeah. And then we get a fourth wall break from Marion. And a shrug. Yes, we do. As we, we hear the do. foley of the door slamming hard That's behind right. Anne Lester. Because she's out to jaunt to where these men are to see what the fuck are they up to. There's no jaunty music here, but I feel like it it, it, it should be here because Anne goes to threaten a bunch of men and it's really hot. Oh, but... That's um, my kink. That's my kink. Women threatening men. 
but but when where's the, that channel when the threat hub? escalates there is the jauntiest of the this is the to me the highest the jaunt music has ever gotten so should we jaunt to the to the to the men just I do mean, it let's just do it right, let's well, just we're, do not, it. we're jaunting to the men hey we're jaunting. We're jaunting. Anna's mad. It's an angry jaunt. She's like, bitch, who the fuck is pulling up my stones? These are my motherfucking Shipton stones. You need to pay me for my fucking stones on oh, my road. Or you need to get the fuck out, I bitch. Agree. So, <laughs> actually, yeah, we fucking, when we enter the scene and Anna's walking up on the men, Washington is evidently talking to Hinscliff, who we saw in episode, what is that, two or three? One of those fucking episodes where he was like, oh, mom, I just need this one acre. And he got played, <laughs> uh, unfortunately for him. And when Anne walks up and she's like, what's going on? We literally hear a dude say, which like, evidently oh, is Hinscliff. And I was like, Hinscliff, you need to fix yourself. He goes, he uh, oh, fucking hell. I'm not talking to that bloody Jack. That is what he says. As he walks off, it's in the subtitles. It's maybe hard to hear, but it's there. So as she's walking up, she's like, what's going on? He says that shit to Washington and then walks off. And I'm like, okay, so someone needs to horsewhip Hinscliff because he doesn't have any goddamn respect. After he walks off and Anne walks up mad as hell, Washington basically explains that there are some bullshit term agreements that say Hinscliff can fill the pit when they've exhausted the beds, the Rawsons, and um, and then take some stones from the road. And Anna's like, but this is my road. These are my stones. I like the value of my stones. And Mr. Washington is like, I know. And she's like, but does he know? Does Hinscliff know that it's my road? And so Washington tries to explain that Hinscliff has been fucked over by by the Rawsons. by by Christopher in yeah. particular, not yeah. not so yeah. the Rawsons, but Christopher. Right. Yeah. And he's been fucked over because evidently Christopher Rawson found out that the reason why the price was so inflated with the other bidder was because he was the one that was the other bidder, even though he just won the one right. acre. So Christopher Rawson is pissed, and he is taking it out, according to Washington, on Hinscliff, which is why Hinscliff is in such a, a mood. And I love Andrew's response. She's like, "Business is business, bitch. That's not my problem. That sounds like you problems. That sounds like Hinscliff problems. That doesn't sound like Amnesty problems. Right. The only problem I have is you bitch." Is taking stones from my, from road. my road. And she immediately, because Washington tries to be like, ma'am, don't. And she just immediately right. jaunts off the top of the hill and she's like, listen, house, listen, house. If any one of you bitches picks up another thing, she was like, y'all all could spend a night in Wakefield jail. I and already everybody called was, the... was mid-chip? Mid-chip. And, and they, they were like, like, fuck that. I don't make enough money. Well, you know, one of them dudes was like, I make a shilling all year, bitch. I don't. <laughs> I'm good. I can't go to jail. Like, it's so fucked up to laugh at this. But at the same time, you know somebody out there was getting paid a shilling for a year. And that's fucked up. Williams was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, Miss Miss Lister, you know, um, uh... He's been having, you know, kind of a bad day. Oh, oh, you, oh, he's in a bad, he's in a foul mood. Uh, oh, well, that makes two of us. That's right. She'll say that. She's like, oh, he, oh, he's in a bad mood. Fancy that coincidence. Excuse me while I jump to the top of the hill. And then after she makes her decree, everyone literally stops what they're doing. And it's like. Because Miss Lister has bigger fucking swag than Hinscliff and Washington. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Because Washington looks at her like, oh, shit, that worked. Because he didn't have the jaunt or that aggressive range to stand on the hill empowered by Miss Lister to be like, everyone here, stop working right now or I'm going to send you bitches to jail. She did that. And they stopped. She did. They stopped. And uh, I like it. It was hot. And then she expressed jaunts to um, get uh, her papers in order. We got jaunty music for that. It's probably the last one. Hey! And Lister, it's express jaunting. Jaunting down to Halifax because she's angry. And she needs to go see her lawyer and inquire about her motherfucking options. Among those options, he says that she can get a court order to stop them from pulling and selling any stone from Shibden land. But that's not the real issue. And that's where we go into what we just said, that Ralston actually found out that motherfucker was the other bidder. She's and like, he's how? super mad. He's like, 
He's like, look, bitch, I don't, this, this motherfucker real And annoying. so they decided to amend their offer and it's much lower. And also on top of their offer being super low, they have said, fuck your clauses altogether. Just fuck them. Fuck them all together. And uh, she's like, but, 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 but I literally only did this to get what is fair, to get what is mine because they've been stealing from me. What the fuck? He's like, Recompense. I, he's like, I know. And everything, you know. Yeah. I don't, he's like, bitch, know. I'm with you. I'm with you on the scene. But here's the thing. The Rossins are shit. And you were not the first person that Christopher Rawson swindled, and you will definitely not be the last. So, so all those shillings he keeps throwing at the poor kids. Those are my shillings. Those are, I'm just yes. He does ask her about the whole the pit thing because he was like, and on top of all that other shit I already said, he also seems to think you ain't sick in a pit, girl. What happened? Last time we had a meeting, we were trending on the up, and now everything's trending down. And she replies that for the moment, yes, that isn't an option anymore, but not for the reason he thinks. And I love that Anne has to keep stressing that. She's like, look, I have too much pride to let any of you hosts think that you actually got over right, on me and exactly. you actually scared me. This is because I have very specific things that are going on in my super, super gay relationship, not because any of you fuckers have actually got me to be shook about anything. And that's that's just yay. Yay. But you can totally see in Ann Lister's face that it is it pains her to answer this question. That every time someone brings it up, she's like, swallow it down, lump in the throat, squished. It's fine. It's totally fine. I just, you know, circumstances have changed and I'm trying to figure out my life. She says that she basically doesn't want to sign the papers. And he's like, I don't I don't think you should. You don't have to. Right. Exactly. He's just going to keep stealing your coal anyway. So, you know, if you can't get down there to keep an eye on him yourself, it's a wrap. And then he's like, you, you could sell to someone else, someone who's not the Rawsons. But, but then you lose. Right. What's stolen is gone forever. And so she sits down onto the shits and... And then we cut, we cut, we cut from Anne's horrible business meeting to her talking with her dad about the dirty business of coal. The captain and Anne are in the drawing room and Captain Lister is saying they could always reopen Listerwick and says that it would be half the expense of opening a new one. But Anne says that she needs the new shit to prove the nonsense of the right, for recompense. Exactly. Right. And, you know, at the end he's like, so, Okay. Um, so Miss Walker definitely isn't any kind of trails off. And she's like, no, no. Could we I mean, not? Last could we I, not? God. Last I heard mid uh, afternoon nap that you were spending the night at Miss Walker's house. So I just thought everything was, was back on. But I guess everything is He's back like, off well, you again. Know how you how you, how you lesbian bitches be. Um, so after Rawson and Lista, do we get... I feel like we, we get cross Yes. So we open up, we do, we open up on our poor baby gay in the Heladolfos looking slightly, I don't want to say manic, but engrossed in some type of mania that's uh, happening in her prayers head. Um, yeah, on she's repeat. Praying, on repeat, consistently. She's distraught. And both Catherine and Anne are just sitting on either of her sides, trying to comfort her as they can, just really, as we said earlier, only by touch and voice reassurance mm -hmm. and letting her know that they're near her and she's not alone and hoping for the best as the night goes on. It's horrible and heartbreaking. You can tell it lasts most of the night because, as I said earlier, Catherine is still knocked the fuck out. When Anne Lister, she's up, she's dressed, her curls are done, and she's ready to start her day. And both Anne Walker and Catherine are just like, we don't have energy. We don't have the time. We're not awake. We've been asleep for only 20 minutes. So I can't be waking up right now. And that's when Anne Lister just kind of like, she caresses Anne's hair yes. a little bit while she's sleeping. And just, I'm like, oh, am I phasing through further floors? I don't have any more levels to phase through because I last phased the equator. So I'm just phasing out of the planet onto the flat earth that's directly underneath this planet. <laughs> I mean, first of all, when she wakes up Ann Walker, I feel like the only moment of peace we ever see in that bitch face. 
especially in this episode, okay. is literally when she's looking at Ann Lister. That's the only time it comes. She's looking at her lady love and that's it. And we see it in that moment. She wakes up and she's like beams, like a little like a little piece of sunlight. It's like, oh my God, it's you. And, and Lister tells her, hey, I got to go. I got to go. Landed lady stuff. And of course, what do we hear? The same thing we've heard uh, all episode. Uh, promise me that you'll... You'll spend the night? You'll... Well, she says, will you come back? But same thing, same sentiment, same sentiment. To which Anne replies, yes, of course. And you're like, God! God. And Catherine was asleep during this whole exchange. Um, Just a smile. And then she smiles after it, and you can see that it's palpable relief. It's real relief, where she's like, I can breathe a little easier for the rest of this afternoon, knowing that you're coming back again. And this is when we get the monologue a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just gonna play that blazing clip. Oh, oh, you have it. Okay, great. Because she's jaunting off and she's like, mm-hmm. Will you come back? Yes, of course. How I long to be creditably free from all this madness. And yet, I don't know how it is, but. Whenever I see the girl. Okay. She always manages to unhinge me. So I love that because, I mean, it's just great. And it's one of the few times we have a a diary entry that bleeds into real time, you know, where we have the perspective of what she will be saying later. Right. At the end of the day, while she's just sort of recapping. And then we have the real life, what she was experiencing it, which, of course, her in the tears. You know, she's she's fucking devastated in a certain kind of way because when we know she has a certain amount of pretense about herself and what she can do how much control she can exert over her life choices and and the feelings actually that she has over people even though that's kind of cray cray and then every time she sees Ann Walker she's like bitch I don't know what the fuck just happened every single time I go over there she unhinges me every single time I have a plan the plan doesn't work what the fuck and it's just because, you know, you, you would think that someone who's not involved, someone who speaks as much about things being off as Ann Lister is saying, especially just in the last scene with uh, Captain Lister, that when she hears something like, right. will you come back? It's like, well, honestly, I need to invest in my future. <laughs> and my future seems to not be in shabby, shabby little Shipton. So shabby I need to little be moving Shipton. on. But there's something about you that just... There's something about you. <laughs> There's something about hey, you, baby. So right. I feel like we well, yeah, it's two different ones. Because I'm doing level 42, uh, which is, yeah. I was not doing that. But I'm also too much brandy in and too many hours oh, in the AM to yeah. know what it was. So right. I'm just going to move on from there to the next scene so, where well, it's with Mr. Sutherland. It's with Mr. Sutherland's voice. <laughs> uh, because, um, Ann Walker's brother in law. So, um, Ann Lister's received a note. Um, we mm-hmm. know not where Ann Lister is when she's reading this note. Um, but it's ultimately just, I could smell the dollar signs in the ink that you were <laughs> writing when you decided to say that, um, I can't. You wanted uh, to take our, our my lovely family to York to see a specialist when, you know, we have specialists here. So, you know what? I'm just going to actually come by and pick her up. And mom's coming too. And oh, and around the same time that you're getting this letter and Walker's going to be getting a letter saying that I'll be in town on business. Mm-hmm. But you should strongly kind of suggest that she just sort of comes along back. Comes back with, with me. Us. Yeah. Back to yeah. Scotland. Yeah. Sounds like a good There's plan. There's nothing underhanded about this at all. None and, whatsoever. Uh, when I look at my note for this scene, it's literally all caps. No! 
God, why, why, God, why? And even though we those just, are my notes on that. Right, <laughs> even though we just left Crow's Nest and we got this note, I feel like the hard cut after this note is written and read is that we're right back in Crow's Nest. Oh my God, yeah, because literally we are right back at Crow's Nest and Catherine is talking to Ann Walker, talking about how she thinks it's a great idea to have a change of air, change of scenery and seeing her nieces and nephews and all that fuck shit. And, you know, while she's talking, Ann Lister takes the notes from Thirsty Ann and she reads it while Catherine is still going on and on about how wonderful it'll be to go to Scotland. And Ann Walker, I feel like, isn't really paying attention to her because she's just watching her bay really closely she's focused on Ann Lister mm-hmm. she's watching her read the letter and then eventually she's like after Catherine's done talking she's like well what do you think of all this right because the whole point of you writing the note was to get permission to send me to York so why did the plans change well Anna's like I mean it's a good medical establishment in Edinburgh it's, it's good and stuff you know and adds that like remember a change of, of scenery like air that's what dr belcombe suggested she's like yeah uh-huh except he meant that i should be going to paris and rome with you in particular that is he wasn't just saying get some motherfucking air outside he was saying go to paris and rome with you on the amoroso on a gravel what the fuck bitch and i like this scene because you can see Anne's trying to parry but in the sense she's kind of losing in this instance because Anne walker keeps pushing and she's like but 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 and and lister's trying to be the polite one she's trying to be the good person of like no, go with your family. Like, it's perfectly fine. Like, it's about your health. Like, it's over here. Like, it's great. And and Walker's making it really hard. Yo, really, she really sure hard. is. And I'm... Is the segue that she's asking her to stay the night? She's like, what about our transcontinental Gruber? Right. Sorry. Well, <laughs> She's yeah. thinking about the Gruber. The Grebel's from Leeds. But yes. I feel like she asks if she's spending the night again one more she time. She is. After all that drama. And then Alice is like, Catherine... Could you give me a moment? But, but there's more after that because she keeps pushing in where she's like, yes, but the time for that is gone now. When she's talking about the travel, she's like, so that's true. We did talk about Paris and Rome and how it'd be great for you. But the time, the time is, unfortunately for us, the time has passed given all that has gone on. And it's fine because, you know, this is not the time anyway when you're not well to do this kind of shit. And Walker and Honestly, I kind of love this scene, too, because it's like the most amount of fight we've seen in Ann Walker for a long time, where she's fighting, essentially, to stay with her bae. She doesn't have any fight with fucking Park Hill, with motherfucking Catherine, motherfucking Mrs. Priestley. But she has fight with Ann Lister because she's like, I'm fighting you to not leave me. I'm fighting you to not let me go because you said, remember what you said? Why are you doing this? This is not this is not lining up. Right. Because she's like, but this is what you said you were writing to my sister for exactly this reason. What the fuck? And Ann Lister shows a little bit of her sort of frustration. She's like, I did. I did write to them for that reason. They just seem to think that this this is a better idea. You know, this is, this is better for you. So, you know, let's, let's just try to roll with that and be like positive. And Ann Walker's like, they don't know me. They don't even know who the fuck I am. How are they supposed to know what I want? And Lister's like, oh, my fucking God. And Catherine's like, it's your sister. <laughs> it's your sister, girl. What you mean she don't know you? I mean, she don't know me, like I said. She's like, but she don't know me, though. After that, Ann Walker's like, okay. Because she's feeling it. She's a little turnt. She's like, so, um, you still going to travel? Are you still going to, you still going to go? To Europe. I mean, if I if there's nothing keeping me here in Shipton, I, I well, she was like, well, it won't be till May because she's right. like, you're gonna go in spring, and she's like, well, maybe not spring, but like May at the earliest, because you know stuff and my aunt. And she's like, okay, um, 
will you be going alone? And I was like, bitch, uh-huh. look at my jaunty baby gay having all this brave energy for Ann Lister where she's asking question after question after question. She's like, I want to know exactly what's happening here. And Ann Lister's like, oh my God. And she's like, well, sure. Yeah, I'll be traveling alone. And Catherine, do, do, Catherine's do like, ladies, hold up, hold up. Do ladies, ladies do, do that? that? Do ladies do that? Like, and she's like, well, you know, <laughs> bitch, I do. This lady I'll have does. Thomas, Javi, Jeannie, I'll be fine. And that's when we actually get the episode line of do ladies do that from Catherine Rawson and Anne's official replies. Well, not as a rule. <laughs> no, but I'm me. So I break rules and uh, baby gay is still way into the dolefuls because nothing is happening as she wanted to. Not the trip, not anything. Nothing's happening. Right. No travels to Europe. No more grubbles. And now she doesn't even get to go back to York with Anne. And I'm just like, can you just think about for a second? Let's just think about that first, those early day grubbles. The first trip to York. The the epic, deep crimson sleaze of thirst. Remember she came out of the fucking black swan inn. Those sleaves. Yes. So... Think about Ann Walker where she's like, I want to go back there. I want to go back to York where this doctor was nice and optimistic and didn't treat me like shit. And we were on our happy grubbles and everything seemed like it was all possible and life was just a dream. Right. I want to go there. And now you're saying we can't go back there because I've been fixating on York a little bit. And now you're saying York isn't happening and I'm not okay. I mean, I literally tried to get permission to take you to York and... They decided Edinburgh was better. So right. we are at the mercy of your sibling-in-law. Right. I mean, that was the emergence of power bottom and snatching that stopwatch. <laughs> like she was really coming into herself as a grubbler. And I loved it. And uh, side note, I really liked the way Ann Lister or Saran Jones was sitting in the scene because it was pretty gay. <laughs> it's like she forgot Catherine was in the room <laughs> when she was sitting, was hunched over like that. But it was cool. I just feel like in this sense that Ann Lister actually looks a bit more messy than Ann Walker because yes. Ann Walker keeps hitting her with these questions and she's trying to do that thing where like, I'm saving face. I'm not going to show anyone who's around here at the time. That's not us, that we are on the grubbles. But I'm finding it really hard to like not be a girlfriend to you right now because what is going, right. why do you keep asking me this? You're oh my asking God. very girlfriendly questions. You're asking really girlfriendly questions while your cousin is, is right in the there. fucking room. Right. And she's all smiles. I just, she's just got like, her good graces. Catherine's all smiles because she's like, I'm just happy Ann Walker's talking right now. Right. So. Look at how lucid my Look at how excitable she is, is right, right now. Right. Yeah. And then, oh you know, God. let this be a lesson. You shouldn't call people invalid. It hurts their feelings. It really hurts their feelings. And I think it's, it's like also the intense gay stare that Ann Walker gives Ann Lister when she talks about traveling. Because that's where she sort of stops. And you can tell she's thinking about it. And that also goes into my little side plot idea of just Ann Walker knowing more than the than Anne maybe thinks she knows about her experience with women and what is the likelihood that Ann Lister would get into the Amorosa with another girl. Huh. I don't think Ann Walker is a fool. Oh, that no, she's, she's just not. like, I'm concerned that you're gonna go off and you're gonna forget all about me, which is literally my worst fear. It's literally the fear I've been telling you about since we started on these grubbles and it seems like it's coming true. And I just feel like she's looking at Ann Lister with this sense of devastation that is not, it's palpable. There's nothing to hide from Catherine. She's not concerned about hiding anything from Catherine. Right. So Ann is like, uh, Catherine, I mean, Miss Rawson, Miss Rawson. Uh, sorry, I got a little comfortable there because I'm looking at Anne's face. Um, do you think we can, do you think we can just, All right, give us can like we have a, a moment? Minute? Because yeah. she's giving me these really intense gay eye stares and I, I don't know how much longer I can maintain. And so she's like, oh, yeah, sure, I can get some air, which is so nice because it's such a lovely change from Park Hill's fucking energy. Right. I didn't need to hear like a threes of crowd in that moment. I didn't need. No, not at all. And uh, you're upsetting Ann Walker. (laughs) You have to leave. Like, I didn't need that. No, she was like, we need to get the hats out the paint because this conversation is about to get really gay and Catherine can't be here. And so when they're alone, the first thing Ann Walker says, just heartbreaking. She's like, I've lost you, haven't I? And you're like, no! 
But is she like yes and no? Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. Mostly no, but also yes. Mostly no, but, but definitely yes. there's this hint there's of the, yes. There's a thing. There's a hint of thing. Because it, what do I'm already screaming because I know she drops to her knees, but it's just this wait, whole scene is fucking. This, <laughs> she so she I says you haven't. She's like I ha- I've lost you, haven't I? And Anne Lister's reply is like you needn't have. And and Walker looks at her like what do you mean? Like is there is there another option of what I've seen that that hasn't been said to me that I can exercise? You know I I've been meaning to. I mean it's not a big deal, but um. Remember when I said I was I sent for a ring? You told me like not to do it. Like so, so I did that, and the ring's here, and it's beautiful. And then she opens up her. Well, Anne essentially proposes for like the third time. Anne has proposed yes. multiple times, and Anne Walker has accepted multiple times. But this is the first time we get the proposal with a ring. Right. Unfortunately, Anne Walker is not in a mental space to deal with it, and. Um, She's. Just, I mean, she's just not right. Like she's just not. She wasn't even in a space. Like if she wasn't in a space to pull yes or no from the purse herself, from her own mind, she is in a space to do this. Absolutely not. And um, will you accept my ring? Will you take the sacrament with me? It's horrible. And she basically is like, you know, hey, could you do this? But also commit and not change your mind and don't say this because you're lonely or you're scared or you're nervous about whatever. Say it because you mean it which is super important. And Anne Walker can't even say anything. And I think this is just her, again, just in the crux of her her inability to deal with conflict and stress in this way because it's all kind of crushing her. And so she's just stuck. You know what I mean? Like you can't yes, do shit. Like you're just stuck. You're like, I know what I want and I know what I don't want, but I don't know how to get there because I just don't know. I'm, I'm stuck because I don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to disappoint my family. I don't want to disappoint you, Anne. And it seems like if I make a move anywhere, I'm disappointing someone. So I'm just not going to make a move. And I'm just going to be like, ah, someone make right. a move for me. And it's a horrible position to be in because I definitely feel like it's involuntary. And that's why she just sobs. She looks at the ring and I feel like in her mind, she's like, I want this. I want to be able to just take this. I just want to be able to be free, but I'm not. So I'm just going to sob into my hands. And Ann Lister fucking, well, she she lays back and there's a bit of a deleted scene, but it's like weird. It's like it's like how she does the the opening of the box of stuff. And we were so much in the dolefuls that I don't even know if we were fully yeah, paying attention to that part intense. of the deleted scene. But yeah, there's a piece of extra thing if you guys will link it. That that particular doleful took me back to a uh, uh, half my age jaunty and me uh, rolling around in, you know, the Christopher Street village area. Christopher Street? Jaunting about. It's and then, pretty you gay know, over there. Yeah. I, Very gay. I met someone that I thought I was going to be um, having a lot of jaunty sunsets with, you know, to oh, share. No. And, um... Mm-hmm. Poor baby. Okay, wait. So how old were you again? Just so I can try to gauge the realism. Oh, oh yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Your I assumption was probably longevity. 18 and a half. Oh, yeah. yes. That is peak time for unrealistic expectations yep. on your on your relationship. I, too. I, too, will say that, although technically mine started with 17. But please, please continue your yeah, story. So, I mean, I, I was jaunting uh, as usual. I did this pairing with this individual I've never seen before. And I was like, oh, yep, thought I to myself that this would make a great, you know, uh, partner in crime to do things with. See a sunset or two, maybe a movie, theater. But, um, you know, it just um, uh, it turned into the deep. 
What? It turned into the deep. Like, I didn't say that, oh, I had a poster on uh, my wall of you uh, since I was a kid. It didn't oh, my God. You're talking about the boys? On yes, but, that, but literally that was what happened. <laughs> Excuse me. And then... Um, I didn't join the seven. So let's put it that way. <laughs> and then, um, it sounds scandalous. Right. So I had the break that Ann Walker had seeing the deep mm. because I was like, it's we're on the street. Like first off, <laughs> there was just a lot. We were in public. It was, it was, and then I'm like, is this, are you proposing? So is this you saying that you don't want to go out with me? But but is this the but the you're proposing? All, is this sex- alternative? Right. It's, so like there was a lot. So it was, it was it would have been rejection sex, which I don't rejection know is really sex. a category. Because no, it is. It is. So or it's a bit of an oxymoronic category. Or but- like friends with benefit zone sex. <laughs> I don't know what to call it because it's like, well, it's not you getting the thing that you think you want, but this is something that we could be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, is this what we're going to be about all the time? No. And I like just broke and was doing the Anna Walker oh, with I've the after seeing the ring. And I'm like, you know, I'm sure you've never had somebody cry looking at your your um equipment but i mean i did i cried well i mean i I mean it had nothing to do with i feel like there's a number of reasons for queer people to cry (laughs) during the act of coitus well yeah but you know depending on your day there's all kinds of reasons (laughs) for to go down i'm not above it i have i cried doing a grubble yes yes i have i can admit to it because there's all kinds of reasons that your emotions will get stirred later in this episode yeah right. we'll emotions get, there. get stirred right. and i literally was gonna be like mm, to be in one of those situations where like you're that vulnerable and that open in a moment and also in the grubble like it's intense and i still can't believe sally wainwright gave it to us because i i'm pretty sure removing these drunk brain cells that i have not seen a comparable scene shared between two women that I felt was in this ca- in this category of just like what you're talking about anguish. Actually, belay that. I'm totally forgetting about Amy and Jaguar, which was a German film that came out in I want to say 1999. It was a lot of years ago, set in Berlin during wartime, specifically Nazi Germany, World War II war times, and based on a book written by. American journalist Erica Fisher, hopefully I'm remembering that correctly, who found at the time who was still living Lily Wust, who was German. And they were in contact for, I feel like, a year to two years before Lily actually became forthcoming with the full story of her life and her love and what happened during this time in Nazi Germany, where she was at a point married to a Nazi soldier. Huh. I know. But yes, this movie, Amy and Jaguar, is about these two real-life women, coincidentally, as we are talking about these real-life ands and ands, but they really lived and they really loved each other courageously. And despite all of the ridiculous violence and mayhem and hate and things that might conspire to keep them apart besides that. And there's a scene in that film, I might have mentioned it during Well Well, I'm really not even sure, but ultimately you're having this courtship. Well, it's kind of funny because it's, it's kind of like what happens during the quadruple grubble <laughs> of Langton Hall at Isabella's <laughs> because, you know, one gal comes over to see another gal, but then maybe one of those gals is interested in another gal. Right. And suddenly 
The grubbling partners have changed, and while two people are catching O's, somebody's upset. <laughs> so that's kind of cliff notes about what happens here and how these two women start seeing each other. There's a girl, she's seen a girl, but then another girl comes through and it's like, that other girl's cute, and then suddenly the original girl is out of the loop. Well. And so that's this girl, Ilse who's the babysitter for the character of Lily Woost, who has children, and through this babysitter meets this gaggle of lesbians and queer <laughs> women and finds herself attracted to one and one attracted to her. And they have a pretty courageous and audacious love story. But there is probably my favorite, one of my favorite scenes for sure in the film where I thought the acting was very strong, which actually would compare to what we see delivered from Sophie Rundle and Saran Jones, which is the scene, spoilers, slight spoilers if you've not seen it but there's a scene in the film and honestly I really couldn't spoil it with me just saying this because it's just something so well acted that you should just see it for yourself but it's the scene in the film where Lily doesn't know that Felice is Jewish she thinks he's German like her and during the course of their affair she's sort of been disappearing and doing things that make sense for the times because she's also acting as a spy and just queer and just living ridiculously dangerously and audaciously she's like holy shit that from her perspective she's just kind of like maybe being a bit of philander like oh you're not that into me you're not you don't care as much as i do why are you disappearing i'm so stressed this is war times and then when it comes out that felice is actually jewish and this, this is the thing that makes everything so much more complicated and difficult is that it's not safe for her to be here. She shouldn't even be here. She should have left a long time ago, which she could have, but she actually doesn't because she wants to stay with her lady love. Oh. So that scene where that happens, where Lily's character is breaking down, like, I need you. I love you. You're not here. You keep disappearing. I'm stressed. It's wartime. Bombs are dropping. What the fuck? That she's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're breaking down. You're upset. But okay, let me just blur this out. I'm Jewish. I'm fucking Ugh. Jewish. And as you might imagine... It goes over very emotionally. It's a very heart-wrenching story and very heart-wrenching scene, very well acted by the two actresses in the role. I was incredibly moved by this film when I saw it. It was very young and impressionable. And so now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm marinating on all the emotions, I'm like, yeah, yeah. This is the only thing that comes to mind that is on par, not just for the dramatic retelling of it for the level of intensity of emotion and anguish and the difficulty of what this queer couple was going through. But also, I would say, level of, of acting, intensity of, of talent being brought to the roles of these real life women, that this is actually the only comparison I can think of. And wow, pretty fucking shitty if I'm accurate that it came out in 1999 because we are here 20 years later. And that's how long it took to get down with Jack. And ironically, unironically, ridiculously, I'm pretty sure I read that Sally was trying to make this show around about the year 2000, 2003. So literally 20 years. But if you don't know about these women and their courageous love that they shared together and just like their gaggle of lesbian friends that they're hanging out with just being bomb ass, daring ass Jewish bitches doing what they got to do, please check it out. It's a great film. Well, all right. But getting back to the age thing you were talking about. For myself, I mean, I, like you said, that happens. Like there's, I think this because there's no real perspective, really, when you're 18. I mean, not the way that it becomes when you're an adult. Right. For me and a 17, and how we had mentioned before, was it, well, well, we were talking about dating older people. Or was it? It might have been Wow Wow. Gosh, we have so many podcast hours. I've lost. But it was one of those situations where I think you can have an age imbalance, but that age imbalance ideally should exist when you yourself are more situated in who you are, like 25 to 
30. And then maybe you can jump 10 years or more and still be whatever. But I don't necessarily think now with the perspective that I have that you should be 16, 17, dating someone who's 10 years older or near because the imbalance of yes. maturity and awareness yes. and these things will fuck you up. And then you end up in really ridiculous situations. But coming back full circle um, with love and tragedy and queer ladies, in this freaking scene, prior to getting to that love scene, I feel like before Anne does the proposal, Anne Walker's looking up at her like, do you have some sort of magical rainbow carriage that will carry us far away from the haters of Halifax right. and to the sun? Because I can't possibly guess what you're going to say. It can't be the marriage proposal because you know that I'm stuck. And still, Anne Lister, and I love the way Saran plays it because her hand is kind of shaking. It's fidgety. She's nervous. She doesn't want to do it, but she does want to do it because she feels like she has to. And then she does. She gets rejected and not because Ann Walker wants to reject her, but because she just has to. She can't. She can't. Not, she doesn't know how to do anything else. And it's just for Klemft. Which is a weird way to leave these two, especially when she just was like, I've lost you, haven't I? And then it's like, well, you know, just be married. Uh, and screaming in gay anguish. Right. Because, and also what I, I just realized a note that I had in caps, all caps. And it was me saying, how long, how many days was Anne Lister walking around with the ring in her pocket? Oh, since the beginning of the episode. So this is at least two okay, weeks Okay, but in. that's several weeks. Right. So are we going to go with the idea, and who knows if I'll be able to confirm this uh, without decoding every goddamn entry, but I'll see if I can for the nightcap. But I'm just wondering, like, do we think that, based on what Sally's showing us, at least for this fictional telling, that Anne Lister was walking around with that goddamn engagement ring in her pocket consistently since she got I'm it. Was she looking at it at random times? Was she maybe thinking, could I do it now? Should I do it now? No, I can't. No, it's not going to work. Like, it's just because the way she plays it with her hands fidgeting and stuff, like you could tell it's been on her mind. But she's like, I don't know. But then she sees Ann Walker here being as thirsty as she right. was, asking all these questions, saying, like, how could you ba basically, don't leave me. Don't leave me this way. How could you leave me this way? She gets Catherine out the room and she's like, look, I okay, this is how we don't. This is how we maybe save it. Marry me. Like, take the sacrament. Let's do this. Come to Shibden. And Ann Walker's like, I, no answer. 404. Right, you said oh, four. just an error. Yep. Just an error response. Nothing's happening. Sobbing and crying. And no one needed that to happen. And Walker didn't need that to happen because she's watching herself no, deny she herself. She's denying herself happiness. And she's watching <sighs> she's watching herself do it. It's like an out-of-body experience where it's like that's it is she can hardly suck. believe it's happening. And Lister's being so brave and finally pulling it out of her pocket to be like, let me just try this again, even though I've been rejecting these all these different types of ways, and I'm really just like, I don't know what's going on. And then Anne Walker, like, I can't believe what I'm seeing with my actual fucking eyes. Because the way Sophie Rundle plays it. She's pulling the ring out and the whole time. She's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What? What? And then she looks at it and then she just, she falls into a puddle of tears and that's all she can do. And poor Anne Lister watching her, you know, her love just break down crying. She's with her jittery hand is shaking and closing the ring like in case it was the source she of She says the anguish. line, will you accept me? And that really, it takes me out every single time because I'm just like, fuck. She put a lot of intent behind that ring, a lot more than most people would understand a sacrament to be. Right. And for there right. to be no response. Right. She eventually closes the box and Walker is sobbing. It's just emotional turmoil. And Ann Lister just kind of sits back quietly, also sobbing. I'm like, great. Both my girls are sobbing. That's fantastic. Right. 
And because Sally is some sort of like sadistic boxer who just wants to punch her viewers when she's putting them through the doffles, we cut back to Mariana. And me, me specifically, Sally was trying to punch because why? Why? Why would we go from this to Mariana? Mariana. Anne's writing to Mariana. Sure. No, I know. It's a safety blanket. It's a safety blanket. It's a safety blanket. I get it. And she needs to find her inner jaunt. She needs to find. She needs she needs her win. She needs she thought her win was in Ann Walker. It it's apparently not. So she's writing to be like Never hey, give up on Ann hey, Walker. Hey big head. That that was the letter. Hey big head. And then you know Wow, that's your that's that's the equivalent of Ann Lister flying into Mariana's DMs. Yes. Hey big head. God. I just have like we cut to Ann writing to Mariana. Yay, yield favorite security blanket. Ugh. That's my note. That is a note. That's, that's a my good note. That's what note. she is. And she writes the note, quote, my dearest Mary, after I've taken Thomas Beach and Eugenie over to the Norcliffs to collect my carriage, I shall go to London for two weeks before I cross the water. If you are able to join me there in London, if Charles can manage without you for some or all of those two weeks, I would, as always, count it in a great blessing to see you. You ask me if I'm traveling with my little friend, which I'm not. More of this if and when I see you. Mm. So already I was like banging shit and I was like, okay, so she's going, she's going to see Mariana. Of course she is. Why? Of course this is what's happened. And this is what she does. She goes into Mariana's toxic thighs every time because she needs to feel something good. And on top of that, she's like, no, my little friend isn't coming, but I will tell you about this when I see you. If, if I see you. Also, I just want to say kudos to Lydia Leonard for another one of those cheeky goddamn facial expressions as Mariana. Goddamn you, Lydia Leonard. You play her really well. Anyway. Cut to. Uh, I think we are out of. We're Shipton, I believe. Yeah, we're out of Crow's Nest. So, yeah. So, if we are in Shipton. Then... Um, oh, Marion is angry in this scene because apparently all is off with Mr. Abbott. And that's when we oh, realized it's, it's, there was like a three eating. week. There yeah. was a three week thing that must have happened between the, the first part of the episode when Anne comes back all beat up and he's at tea to where we are at the end of the episode. It's been three weeks. But yeah, Marion is super pissed because I guess Abbott has lost interest. She's like, it's been three weeks since because you haven't been here, Anne. And of course, she's like, well, he's not good for you. She's like, well, he's at the same time. Anne is right. She's like, but he's here to see you. How like he's courting you. He's not courting me. Like, what does it matter? I'm not here. And she's like, well, I, maybe it could be because you own the place because you're the lady of the of the castle, so to speak. Like, this is your shit. You never stop <laughs> reminding people it's your shit and that we can't do shit with your shit. But you can't show the fuck up. For one fucking tea, bitch. Yeah, she looks at <laughs> Elder Anderson. She's like, well, she was, she was, she like, was, she was quiet. Eventually, Anna's just like, he's not good enough for you, which I agree. He has no respect for your goddamn aunt. She's so. like, well, you know what your problem is? You're just, just worried that when I do get married, that I have a bigger claim to Shibden than you. Girl, no, Mr. Abbott is a dub. Okay, he's a loser. Trash that. Get you a new man. Or how about no men? But again, that's bias, so whatever. But before Anne can actually respond to her like usual bullshit of like, you don't want me to have a claim of inheritance to Shibden Hall, we get an interruption from Baby Booth, who knocks with a letter from Anne Walker. And immediately Anne is like, oh my gosh, I managed to go another 10 seconds without thinking about mm-hmm. her, and here, here we are again. And Anne Walker wrote, my dearest, Captain Sutherland and his mother arrived last night. Mm. How are we here We are here. We are here. I write in utter misery, and I believe that shit. What I said to you last night, I bitterly repent. If ever the prayers of so true a friend may avail for another, may yours be heard from me. 
that the gates of mercy may not be forever closed upon me, for I am wretchedness itself. How do you call yourself wretchedness itself? Literally broke my heart. Like, I, again, it was already in tattered pieces. I'm like, is, how do you put my heart back together and then re-smash it? Re-smash it right. into little bitty bits and grind it down to a fine powder because that's what happened. Sorry. It's, I'm upset. No, this is this is where everyone deserves to be upset. Well, how do you... What For kind of I am wretchedness itself. What kind of esteem? I, you, you can't... I just want to fucking fight her whole family because this is what you, this is the product right. of your yes. version of love and concern. This, this right here. And I feel like Anne is a little bit like us because she sees the letter wretchedness. I am wretchedness itself. And she's like, bitch, I gotta go. And she literally gets up and she's like, I got a shit to do. And the whole family's like, I feel like it's two ways where Marion is kind of annoyed that she's not, Marianne's she's definitely not able annoyed. to bitch. By the same time, she's like, we all know that shit has gotten weird with Miss Walker because she's hinted at to everyone. But now she's running out yet again to go see Miss Walker with no real explanation of what went wrong with Miss Walker. And so, the, I mean, it's, you try to use your, your, your inference as to what's going on here. And so after this, we cut to Anne arriving at Cronus to meet Captain Sutherland. Yes, and um, she's she uh, does a, a a gauge a sad gay jaunt. So you guys, I'm not going to hit the jaunty music. Right, it was very sad. <laughs> and sad then um, so she arrives on the property, and she is introduced uh, straight to uh, the uh, captain and his mama. Yes, the mom seems. I don't like right. the mom. I don't like her, but at this nothing moment, happened to her petticoats. Okay, because yeah, Anne Lister did. walked in, and immediately she's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "So you could be a hater of Halifax, just a hater of Scotland? What are you doing?" Why are you looking at her like that? Because she was authentically disgusted. Kudos to that lovely older actress, actress because yeah. she played it. I was like, okay, you're mean. Captain Sutherland tries to be a bit more deferential and I guess chivalrous because he's too taken aback, but he pulls himself together quickly like, oh, Miss Lista. And then he goes, he bows at her, which Anne is like, ew. <laughs> Don't bow at me, bitch. Shake my hand. And right. she extends her hand like, bitch, I... Shake my hand. Don't bow. Don't ever do that again. Like, let this be the lesson to you that this is not what we do. Right. This, over this, here, my Halifax. pronoun is a handshake. That's what you're going to give me. <laughs> Curtsy. Oh, my God. And so Anne apologizes for the weather. And because, well, she's super polite. And then asks where Miss Walker is. And Catherine says that she's upstairs packing or that she's supposed to be. And then the captain chimes in that she's less enthusiastic to come than they are to have her. Which, obviously, she doesn't want to go at all. Well, maybe not obviously to them, but obviously to us. She doesn't want to fucking go. Us. And then he says that Catherine explained the delicacy of the situation Shh. with regards to the family and thanked her on behalf of his wife and himself for her kindness and sound judgment. Okay, yes. I still don't want her going to Scotland, but sure. Thank Anne for her kindness and sound judgment. Those right. It's almost things. like you trust in things that she says, but you didn't not trust, trust in things she she do, York, which right. means you're fake, which means you're a phony and you're a liar. But let me stop. Wait, um, and she's upstairs, you know, getting ready. And then she's the last. Oh, wait. Um, wait, I feel like there was something that was said. Right. So Ann Lister says that she believes Ann Walker will make a full recovery as long as she sees the right doctor. Yes. And that's when fucking the mom chimes in and is like, oh, we've got a great doctor in Edinburgh. It's a lady's physician. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was immediately right. um, seized. Do you mean a 19th century gynecologist? Which sounds like the devil and a creep. And that so like a delete bad that time. and keep that motherfucker miles away from Ann Walker, please. Can we have no more creepy doctors near Ann Walker? Please, please, and thank you. So when are you leaving? And he's basically like, in the morning. In the morning. In the morning. In a number of hours. Less than 12, Ann. And ugh, you, me, Ann, 
everybody's just like, wow, wow, wow. So our bitch is about to be off the grubbles in less than 12 hours. Is that what you're telling me? That they will be off the grubbles for the unforeseeable future? The unforeseeable future. What the fucking fuck? So Mad dash upstairs. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Oh, my God. Oh, that for that deleted scene. Oh, right. This is where the deleted it's scene It's right is. where it is. Wow, you guys. So this episode has us so fucked up that <laughs> Terrence just re-upped on his gin at 6.41 a.m. And I have yeah. grabbed the whole bottle of rum because, well, that's where I'm at. Okay? That's where I'm at. Fine. It's what it is. I'm good with it. So we're looking at these deleted extended scenes and we totally blame our inebriation on this after the fact. But there were a number of... Are you sipping out that devil's cup? Am I doing it wrong? No, no. It's... I mean, it's a shot glass. It's a, oh, so you should just be is. throwing it's it back. Throwing it back to the back of the throat. Oh. It's a skull. So it's Halloween themed. Got it. I should take a picture for the Instagram that we never post anything on. But you lovely people on there are just fantastic. Yeah, you would never know unless you like put the liquid in. That's and then you get a good shot. I like it. It's great. Okay, so I guess the primary, or at least the longest deleted scene for sure, is inserted here just before Ann Lister goes up to see Ann Walker after meeting Captain Sutherland for the first time. Should I go and see him? Might be as well. Oh my God, this walk. I wish they would have left this in. Right, just hold it together, love. Like she's barely holding it all together. That's why she has to pause and be like, okay, steal yourself, be strong. And she pauses again and knocks in the door. And then she comes in and it's like, let's make out. That's Ann Walker, because she's never not thirsty. And uh, her life is never as bright when Ann Lister's away. I don't want to go. No. <laughs> oh, God! No. One last oh, night. Stay tonight. One Promise me you stay tonight. Night. About to light a, a candle of thirst and just leave it somewhere Don't for someone to be like, what is this? It's Ann Walker, bitch. To take you okay. Yeah, I just um, took a big old swig of rum. I, yeah, that's the deleted scene. Uh, do you have words? I don't have words. <laughs> I don't have words. But yes, it is the unraveling of Ann Lester. It's not done in public. It's not an open confession it's a private to thing. anyone. It's a private But thing. it's a private, it's... We're allowed to experience it from the fourth wall perspective, but it wasn't done for the fourth wall. It's li right, it was right, literally right, right. invasive. These are the parts. These are the aspects of Ann Lister's personality I can relate to because that's that's definitely me. I might argue sometimes, but oh, that's not me. But it is. I am a very like I said, I'm self sufficient, and that the way that manifests itself is that I more often than not will try to handle something myself, even if that means stressing myself out or unraveling in the interior right. and making yes. sure that I can keep it together. Cause on top of, I feel like when you're a type A, especially being an, an oldest for a while, like just the concept of responsibility is just something that I've never not known. I don't know what it is to not be responsible for something or some people or some things. And so that's naturally where I go. And anytime I started going out to the places and being a club kid, all that stuff, I was always like in a dead mother situation where people could be doing wild shit and getting fucked up. But Candace is always going to be the one and no matter how fucked up she is or what's going on that I can still find whatever and be like, are you okay? Okay, let's go here. Let me get you this. Let's do that. And so I I can relate to this need, whether or not it's entirely healthy, that depends on the situation. But it's that thing that says like, I'm here in private 
creating this strength for myself, getting this resolve from inside, and then going here to then be that pillar of strength for someone else who needs it. Well, I'm not going to say to that person, I could use some strength too. Which, oh my God! I just thought of a line from the last episode. Oh, I know you jaunty gays listening. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm in the dark, but the sound. <laughs> Somebody messaged me. It's just, it's just, it gets to the point of what I'm saying. Just help her react because I want to help, but I have no idea what she's talking about. But I also feel like <laughs> if I did know that I would also need help. So after you help her, help me. Help me when we get there. But we're not there yet. But it's just, help me it's just so when we beautiful. get there. It's just so beautiful and tragic and lovely. <laughs> Are we at the late night grubbles at Crow Nest? <laughs> oh God! I let straight last tonight. night. Last night grubbles. Then that's where we cut because after the because we had the deleted scene and technically, okay, she says not, yes. We do have the the walking into the room and we did see some of that deleted scene, but it continues with. Oh, actually, I guess it has most of the dialogue because she basically says like, you know, I don't want to go, and she's like, I know, I know. There's lots of kissing. We stay all night. I promise. I promise. So that is, it did kind of run into the actual scene. So I guess it was just like the first half that was missing and then the second half. And then, yeah, yeah, we do. It goes straight into the night because if it does go into the night, then it's a cut to the it's bed. It's late night grubbles. It's late night grubbles. It cuts to the bed. Or I should say last night grubbles. It is the last night End grubbles. of the year grubbles. See you never grubbles. We done grubbles. So um, it's, um, yeah, they are grubbling and I away. Ask you, Terrence, I ask you, Terrence, what pair of queers? Can you tell who are still feeling feelings and attracted to each other physically can be on their last grubbles and not shed a tear? Like if you know it's your last grubble, like who cannot shed a tear? Like realistically, the sobbing would come right. whether you liked it or not. Especially when the sex is as good as it was between right. Ann Walker and Ann Lister. Okay. They were over there like, I saw the sun, the moon, the mountains, <laughs> and the rivers. I saw, I saw heaven, heaven when I make sweet love to, to you. you. So, yeah. Last night. Right. Sorry. No, that line. That right. line gets pretty jaunty. I don't know. <laughs> no kids to listen cry to this. Because it was so <laughs> beautiful. Honestly. Right. And that's why I had to laugh at myself because I was like, mm. Definitely in my younger, like my teenage years, I will have to be honest. I, yeah, that was, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. What? You're only in New York for the weekend? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me cry. Don't or just like, leave me this way. The idea of like separating from like whoever you're seeing your partner. Yes. For like in a time window when I was younger, like a stretch of three days to a week was devastating. Right. Like it was I, devastating. Now you understand pets where you're like, I'm just going <laughs> to the store and it, <laughs> what you're without me what and it's like lord oh, no that's uh that happened it happened so yeah you see the camera slowly pan across the they're in position uh they're locked and loaded and they're ready to go i am so they're sick of going. you terrence what you're locked and loaded they're locked and All of your euphemisms have thrown me for a loop in these past four seconds. And so, um, you, you, it looks, everything looks like nothing's amiss. First and of then all, as the pan, the camera pans. Excellent job, ladies, because this is the hottest grubble to date. Yes. And also the saddest grubble to date. And I say, why God? Why doth thee do this to me? Congrats, Sally. Incredible, incredible artistry you did there. I mean, it starts out pretty hot. And you're like, oh, 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 okay. And it's on top. She's putting in that work. But then the camera comes around and you're like, oh, she's putting in that work, but she's in the dolefuls because these are last night grubbles and she can't help but be in the dolefuls. I have to shout out Ann Walker because um, she fought 
for her sanity because she thought that that would keep her from having to take this trip. Once she found out they were coming, there were no more hallucinations. There were no more night terrors. She was like, oh no, but it's fine. Just just right back. I know they're coming, but but right back. And I don't. I know they won't get word until they get and here. And was like, we're not going to have a night terror on the night of the last Grubbles. I, <laughs> I can't cut my Grubbles short for nightmares. When I tell you the first thing she said was, I don't want to go after she kissed her li- a lovely lady. She meant it. She meant she didn't want to oh, go. She, meant that she was shit. like she didn't need to go. She felt like she was fine. Like I have you. I'm I'm here. Interesting. I am I look forward to seeing your thoughts on this further develop and evolve over the next two episodes. Oh. And you'll see as it as it happens, but we'll put a pin on this. Boop boop. Um to come back to it and see how you feel. Because after episode seven. Uh, and eight. She put she put that that uh, power stroke in. Did and you Lister. say power stroke? Was power the Lister stroke. stroke. Yes, yes. <laughs> the Lister special. Hey. And um, she buckles, and I'm thinking, oh, is she? Is she? Is she? Is is everything okay? But then it's she's weeping, and I'm like, wow, wow. I did yeah. not need. It took me out. It took me all because who? The way because out. you don't read about Anlista weeping during the grubble we do a little bit but it's in those those times where it is at the height the most heightened space of where we've been in the show like when you know the cutting of the pubes Mm. where it was like oh we made a pretty scene and i sobbed all night she sobbed all night and quite frankly you know sometimes you deal with women really emotional there there could be some tears that keep keep it that keep it the flowing i get that's not the song let me just stop myself. Is that Jan Jackson? I'm yeah, sure was. <laughs> so yeah, what the fuck were we just saying? Well, um, that there was a power stroke and that there was a shudder and um, some t- crying. Okay, yes, 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 yes. So I'm gonna mention the song. I mean, you already know this song has been on my mind for like the whole entire week, and that's Nemekitipa. And perhaps some, most, all, none, surely at least one percent of you listeners have heard this song or you're familiar with it sung by any one of the many people who have sung it my favorites being nina simone edith piaf and lately Ledisi, because of this performance she did at the royal theater a couple weeks ago that i just thought was incredible but if you guys aren't familiar with nemekitipa it's a french song and it's really really sad but it's one of those songs that I mean, I'm a dramatic hoe when it comes to music and just art in general, as you well know. And so there's fewer things I enjoy more, and certainly in this spectrum of vocalization, than women in particular who are incredible vocalists. And not only that, but women who can literally break your heart with their voice because they're not just singing with a certain amount of talent and technique, but it's the feeling. They put into it. Like you feel what they're saying. And that's part of why I love opera so much is because at least for my favorite performers, like they're singing these notes and you, the emotion that they're communicating, you feel it in your chest and it can kind of take you over. And even though some of these moments can be incredibly painful because the words can be painful, like for Nemekitipa, don't leave me. If you leave me, this is going to be horrible. But when the delivery is so beautiful, it falls into that interesting niche, that art can fall into where something is both painful and simultaneously beautiful and lovely to enjoy. And that's what the song is like for me. And that's kind of like this scene with the ants because it's horrible. 
it's horrible in terms of what is developing between these two women. But at the same time, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's painful and it's horrible to watch for all the things we said earlier about representation and not just being able to see stuff like this, period, in general. But then also the vulnerability that we see from Ann Lister in this moment. And while the diaries indicate that she has been vulnerable with Miss Walker at different times, this is definitely the most vulnerable. I understand why you can't commit to me. It's impossible, I know. God, I, no one can tell me this isn't Mariana's impact. This is... What am I? I mean, someone could, but I might argue really intensely. Every day, I rise above it. The things people say. And I forget. Just how impossible it is for someone else to accept that. But you came so close. You realize you have no audio commentary on this clip. I'm, I'm. <laughs> you're, you're in the dolefuls. It's fine. Listen, um, He's in the dolefuls, you the guys. Patrons, they, they know how I felt about. They do. This. There is no sound to be had from Terrence on this. God. All right. So in this soliloquy, I ask again, where's Saran Jones's Emmy and <laughs> her nomination for this? Um, she's near queer. She's emotional. Miss Walker's leaving the next morning. And while she would probably just prefer to be on the grubbles and not have her mind wander, she can't help but think about probably everything that's happened up until now, certainly from September. And just all the things that we've laughed about and screamed about, about our patron saint of thirst, that is in opposition and such staunch contrast to other women she's dated of like I'm this quick to the grubbles I'm this quick to say I love you I have no problems I don't have an issue with your appearance I'm not asking you to change if anything I'm like change me let me change myself with my wretchedness and right. so she's just I'm trying to like, like it's level that, it's up. that thing of like she has been on every level better than all the other women and Ann Lister has tried to wife you know and then here at this last leg of the race, essentially, her mental health becomes an issue. And then when you add these people who just inveigle themselves, for lack of a better word, into her actual psyche, let alone her life. What I love about this scene is that, you know, especially as we were talking about Angela Steele's book, is that it shows what I perceive in my own personal readings of Ann Lister's account of her according in her situation with Ann Walker, that she, that this is her empathy. Like she is not, she's not trying to blame Ann Walker and certainly not to her face to be like, well, you're just not strong enough. You're just not good enough. You're just not jaunty enough. Like it's not that even though she says things like insipid or goofy or whatever, that I personally feel like this is Mariana's impact. Because we've talked about the cyclical nature of Ann Lister coming back and being like, oh, I feel like this can happen. Everything falls apart. Now I'm back at Mariana in between her legs. And she always says that this isn't possible, whether I like to believe it or not. And now you have the situation where she's just sort of like, I believed you for a little bit in your thirst. And I believe that, wow, you might be the first woman to defy all the other ones I've been with and just be like, fuck it. This is the bitch who laughed. At least if we go with the show, the show portrayal, this is the bitch that laughed at Mrs. Priestley. He was like, you're playing with fire. And she was like, well, bitch, can we go upstairs and grubble? <laughs> like, right. you just got near queer and I need you to finish what you started. I don't give a fuck about this hell. And so that analyst was like, I can't believe that I found so gay a wife and now she can't be my wife. But also I understand 
because what what am I? And I just like that shit breaks me the fuck down because it's yes. like the same thing that makes Ann Lister so special and know that she is special in this unique, extraordinary way is the same thing that puts her in the dolls. Right. That makes her feel like I'm wretched. What am I? How could I expect this? I know that I've been this way my own life. I know that I've been queer this long. I know that I've been stealing myself up against the haters of Halifax and everywhere else for this long. But how could I possibly expect this of you? Especially when she is thinking she has to like, don't you think she has to be thinking back in her head about every single time she thought she was close to getting a wife or a lifelong commitment yep. and something happened. Yep. And then she's and then she's here at 40 and she's like, clearly it's not you. It's me. Like, how could I expect this? Because here we are again, again, and you were the closest. You literally were the closest anyone's ever come to this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm the asshole for expecting this of you. I'm the asshole for expecting you to just be able to hear these whispers and these things and get these bad letters from people and just deal with it the way that I do. I was the dick for expecting you to do that because that's just, that's not realistic and that's not what happened. I don't know. It's heartbreaking because it's, it's so honest in terms of like what she's experiencing with Ann Walker, but at the same time, it's, it's a type it's of pessimism that we don't like to see with Ann Lister. Right. You know, because we want we want we want to believe in her jaunty We're like vicariously like rooting for we want our we want her win to feel like our win. And so we don't want to see her catching L's the way how reality can throw an L at you when you least expect it. So and I like it's that, a lot. I like that Ann Walker asks if she's like what? Like she's like what? Like she can visibly see and again like this is I mean <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I could argue for other lovers and what might have they said and how long would have taken them but i just like that for as thirsty as Anne walker is for those goddamn grubbles she stops it because she sees Anne's getting emotional a certain kind of way and she's like Anne, what's up and Anne's like i just let me keep grumbling. i don't want to talk about how my heart is breaking right now because i'm near queer and i'm like i can't deal with it and then she keeps pushing like Anne, Anne, what and then she tries to go back to kissing her she's like bitch i Communicate with me. I can see something's very wrong here. And then she gets that fucking speech. And what can Ann Walker say at this time but just let it all land and hit her? That's all she can do is just like, I'm taking it in what and. A speech. And then fucking Ann Lister, we end the scene with Ann Lister literally sobbing, clinging, clutching for dear life to the chest of Ann Walker. And I was just fucking done for all the reasons all the reasons because i was like i can't even believe i'm looking at this in my eyes because representation right. is this so scene, horrible exactly that this scene exists and that is this complicated and this full of depth and love and nuance wow thank you sally thank you saran thank you sophie you guys did amazing dp director guy pulling cables gal pulling cables lesbian coordinator sex scene coordinator everyone on set script reader person who catches the fucking buck shit you guys did incredible because like i said it becomes ever more apparent when you get the thing that you haven't had the thing like you right. think you're you think you're good not having the thing although you're upset about not having the thing then you get a piece of the thing and you're, and you're like, like wait, wait a minute where, where, where this was is what this? the heck's been having all this time right and where's so where's this the is rest it. right where I need more. It? I need so much more. The scene hurt a lot. That's why I was quiet. Are those when... your allergies or your dofuls? The dofuls. Oh, no. Um, And the gin. It's the gin and the dofuls. The gin is, you know, exacerbating the dofuls. And so we get that's, the that's next how, scene. Bitch. We get the <laughs> next scene and they're, they're packing up. They're loading the vehicle. 
Oh gosh, yes. Ann Lister is at the window and she's looking at them load up the shit. She's like, mm, this is horrible. And she is upset. She has got those fucking Denzel tears going on. Her eyes are glassy and I'm just upset. I mean, outside of her looking sad as fuck, we see Ann Walker sitting at her vanity, looking at a book before she gets up and joins Ann Lister at the window. And this is another one of those frames I just love. And again, there are a lot of them in this episode where I just say like artistically, aesthetically, representation, just what my eyes want to see, just stuff. Like I was like, this pleases my eye. There's another one those scenes where objectively it's bad but the visions like what I get reminds me like you know a really great painting of just stuff that I would just like to see immortalized forever because I right, just right. I don't get to see women embracing like that all the time let alone period piece women and like these types of clothes and so I was just it all of it all of it took me back at the same time where I was like I'm overcome with emotion I don't know what to do with all these emotions and and Walker gets up and she fucking she is the big spoon and I'm just like what you notice the flip. You notice the Sorry. flip. Look at my because eyes. My she, eyes are getting glassy. My eyes Ann are getting Walker glassy. Because was the little spoon when the night terror situation mm -hmm. was going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is her, mm -hmm. like I said, fighting against. Now, it doesn't mean that this theory will hold stronger near the end of the series. But it's just from what I am noticing in this moment. She's fighting so hard for her sanity as if it's a way to get her to not have to go. That all of a sudden the terrors are gone. And she has all this agency about herself God. and what she wants around her to the point where what she... What you're saying is really interesting. I will... Yeah. So I'm just... I keep saying this just so you can remember that you're saying this too. And, no, no. And I appreciate it because I'm sure when For we call when back, we like, remember this right. pen that we put there and it's like, oh yeah, I yeah. know. Right. But yes. I just... No, you're right. It's it's all... It's She's the big spoon and in my mind and in your mind, it seems like we're on the same page that until it's just thwarted by the script and the nightcap or something Sally or... Sophia Saran like, says. Oh, I didn't write that in the script. Oh, that was that was uh, an ad lib, and you know, I just right until someone dissuades <laughs> me from this thought, I just sort of feel like this is this is that thing that we've talked about where we feel like the ends are so uniquely suited for each other with their contrasting stuff that actually works really well. To where Ann Lister was like, I really think we would be good for each other, not just me for her, but her for me. And in this moment where. I feel like no one comforts Ann Lister. The only person who gets close to comfort in this bitch is her aunt. When right, she is right. willing, when she is willing to cry into the bosom of her aunt like she did in the first episode. But here we have Ann Walker, who was privy to this motherfucking speech, to this motherfucking exposure from Ann Lister. That who knows? Who knows? And again, until I see all the entries that exist, that ever did exist, I can't be sure. If someone is aware of this, please let me know. If there was something comparable to this said to Mariana and you guys found it, please send it to me. I would love to read it. But I just, I, I just want to know how many potential times that Ann Lister was in the Dolefuls and she had someone like a little Ann Walker come up by her and give, let me give you the embrace. Let me give you the stuff. Like, this is horrible. We're both sad and I have to go, but just mm, tight hug. And then she gives her she gives her a Bible. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. What's really beautiful about their relationship that is happening in this moment, that religion is ultimately to blame. Yes. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the baseline, religion and what people think of it is to blame for this despondency that Ann Walker is suffering from. But at the same time, at the same time, the beauty and Ann Lister saying, here's a fucking book of prayers. Lover, woman, wife, fiance, because I love you. And this is I, this is this is where it is. And here's Ann Walker saying as you leave, here's a Bible from me to you inscribed. And I have the inscription here. It says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all the ways. Wow. 
And the embrace gets tighter at that moment. I just, like I want someone to paint that. I don't have the time because I'm way too annoying with my own self when I do art to like try to paint a big giant thing of Anne and Anne in this moment. But I want it yes. because it's just, it represents so many things to me and all the things that this show represents just from the bare aesthetics of fantastic production value, fantastic costuming and all this stuff and whatever to what the show actually means symbolically with the content and the real life women and all the stuff and it's just it's just I don't know I feel like you know if I could have changed states I would have been a puddle not only today or I guess yesterday technically when we watched it but all the other times all the other bazillion times I've watched it and become a puddle each and every time right it's just yeah. incredible we're so starved for content like this in media and then you get it and you just lose your fucking shit like everyone in the andom, quite frankly. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. Every time I don't have enough, as much time as I would like to be scrolling around in the stuff in the andoms online and things and things. But I just, I'm always so thrilled and happy to see how many people of all backgrounds, all kinds of queer people connecting to the ands and just being like, I need to talk to more people about this and talk about this shit because it's really fucking affecting me in a really significant way. Yep. And like, I have feelings. Fuck. Oh, I guess we should mention that um, after Ann Walker gives her her Bible and reads the inscription and clutches her girl ever so tighter, we get a Denzel tear. A single tear from Saran Jones. Oh, it's one of the hardest things to pull off as a thespian. That may not be true, but I'm just going to say it is to get the single convincing tear to come down the cheek. And she does that in this moment. Weaker is not a word I want to use. And vulnerable, I don't know, but perhaps it'll come to me. But just the more exposed. Yeah. The more sensitive seemingly in this moment is Ann Lister because Ann Walker's not the one that's crying and she's usually sobbing in moments like this. She's the one saying, let me hug you because I heard what you said last night and that just gave me indication because even if Ann Walker wasn't sure or never suspected that she was on the grubbles with somebody else, that statement has to indicate that, girl, she's lived her whole life this way. You were so close. How were you designated as so close unless there's other people that were not close right Right. so just to comfort the thing that's happening that she's leaving and she's out here comforting her girl strong ass Ann Lester she's like let me hug you take this book <laughs> and after that wonderful horrible beautiful incredible scene we cut to outside where this episode is going to end well we get the mom <sighs> yeah uh, she, I'm not her biggest fan I'm, neither am I she's um she asks, well, before we whisk her away, uh, days away from where she stays, is there a suitor that we have to worry about? Is she trying in love? To is she into get... someone? Like... <laughs> and let's just like, no, I mean, I don't, not that I know of. I mean, not a man. I anyway. mean, <laughs> I, I mean, up to at least two years ago, um, my nephew was trying to actually get in her knickers. Um, he was very, you know, cordial and polite about it. Um, but, you know, she's yet to respond to any of his advances. So, I just assumed it was because there was another man on her mind. I mean, because he was really nice to her. So I don't know why they're not already married. Yeah, she was like, she was she was cordial. What was it? Um, Was it cordial, the word he used? Or civil? Possibly civil, but it could be either or. It was to reduce it. It was, he was very nice to her. So why aren't they sleeping together? It was civil, right. So she was like, she was civil at one point, but not at this other point. And I love that Anne was just like, my bae is always civil. She's a sweetheart. That's just who she is. Politeness and sweetness and kindness is what she does. So what he probably did was misconstrue her civility for something else. Like, I don't know, an Ainsworth, perhaps. I think we can all agree that that's the case. 
And then the fucking grandma, or I guess she's somebody grandma, but Sutherland's mom is like, okay, my nephew, he's poor. And he has a lot of people he has to take care of. But you know what's great? Ann Walker has money. So even though she wasn't into him all these years ago, maybe she'll be into him now, right? Because why not? He needs money. She needs a man. Hello. This is how head propaganda works. And Ann Lister says, you know, I hope nobody is here trying to marry. That's right. You know, Ann Walker off just to settle a bitch debts. I hope that's not what we're doing. And I hope that Captain Sutherland, if he sees anybody sniffing around Ann Walker, who just wants to use her for her money, that he would be like, bitch, step on. And immediately the mom is like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're not friends. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was my nephew you're talking about. But sure, why? She was looking for a way to get her nephew out of a bind that had nothing to do with with Ann Walker. Walker. She was all looking out for the nephew, exactly. And after that, Sutherland's like, mother, mother. The carriage. And so she, there's nothing else to say except for her to leave. And then she's like, Miss Lista, all stiff and shit and sticks out her arm to shake Anne's hand. And I'm like, well, that's how we do it in Halifax Mm. with Anne Lista. But okay, great. Thank you. And then our patron saint of thirst, our baby gay. She comes out looking gorgeous in blue in all the ways because technically she is blue in her clothes and she is blue in her mind. (laughs) She is like, this is not a good day. (sighs) And she's, of course, wearing her gondola pin on her chest which Ann Lister notices right away. And you're like, oh my God. Remember when you guys gave each other gondola? Remember when you guys almost first kissed? Like, can we go back there? This is really, the dolefuls are a really bad place to be. What's so fucked up about this and so ridiculously queer, because certain things about this certainly haven't changed, is that when they first see each other, you can tell that they want to kiss, obviously. They've been with the Grubbles way too much. They're way too connected, way too in love to not be like, well, first of all, we're leaving. I want to kiss you, but also just like, just like stuff. And they can't. And it's just like, okay, intense embrace. Intense, seemingly heterosexual embrace for these people over here. But I'm really upset that I can't do what I want to do because I'm in this heterosexual world that says it's impossible. And she like touches the pin and whatever and they brace and Anne says that she's going to be okay. You'll be okay. Look after yourself. And it looks like they want to kiss again. And of course they cannot. And I, I feel like I already read this in the script notes, but we will certainly cover it in the nightcap. I feel like there's a note from, and this isn't a, just a drunk invention from Sally that says they want to kiss, but how can they? I could be paraphrasing that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's in there. Well, um, well, we'll see in the nightcap if it's in the script. I would love for it to be there. I feel like it has to be, though, right? Like, you, you, that's that's their motivation. That's where right, they are. so it should be. Right and it's there. outside in front of all these people. So you're... And remember we read about Aunt Anne Walker noticing mm-hmm. the intimacies that... Yeah. So they... Do we... Are we Anne Walker, Anne Walker gets in the carriage. She gets in the carriage. They hugged. They hugged. We're sad. We're crying. She gets in the carriage with the people. And she rides off. And we it's just... We get this fucking acapella... Oh, yeah. Oh, holy and tiddo, you motherfuckers. <laughs> With your acapella! And what's so fucked up about this, too, but also so wonderful, is that this, is, this to me, feels like a direct contrast to episode one. Like, we have come full circle, bitch. Right. Episode one. I was just passing. Right! Ann Walker, just think about all the contrast. Ann Walker, it's the same shot in a, se- in a sense that Ann Walker is leaving Shibden and she's got her cute bonnet on and she is all smiles. And Ann Lister's all smiles like, oh, might I, might I stay at Shabby Little Shibden to make up to Miss Walker? Well, well, well. And then here we are, episode motherfucking six. Same fucking shot, except Marion isn't there, except Ann Walker is sad and Lister is sad. There are no real smiles after the carriage, but it is the same thing. It is like the relationship has come full circle. I'm looking at you in a carriage, happy, and I'm looking at you sad. Like, what the fuck? Sally, I really do appreciate <laughs> what you do in this show, but wow, 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 wow. 
Wow, you hurt my feelings with that because I was like, really? This is what we're doing? Okay. I guess we're completely in the dolefuls. This is where we are. This is this is where, this is where, we, where are. we are. This is where we are. This is where we are. And um, quite frankly, friends, I don't know how long this episode is. I don't know what happened during it. I know there was a lot of drinking, a lot of other stuff. Perhaps it'll be another two-parter like our oh, last actually, one. Let me, I can take a peek really quickly. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. See where it's at. We are at. Don't tell me nothing. <laughs> I fucking can't stand you already. Fucking well, jaunty bitch. So, um, you jaunty bitch. What are you about to tell me? I don't want to. It's at least four hours. At least. It's at I mean, least four hours and like 25 It minutes. makes sense because I just have so many feelings where it's concerned about this episode. But then at the same time, I feel like I'm not able to be as eloquent as I would like to be with my and it also could be the lack of soberness but not that that's going to change for the nightcap but I also don't see how I could talk about this without just having a little something a little something to help me through because it just makes you think about so many things and you don't want dead air these are the (laughs) dofuls the dofuls sometimes you're going to need some sort of liquid confidence courage uh, endurance yeah you're going to need yeah I'm just sad and I've seen the show already and I'm still here because it's not even just about, I mean, obviously it's about the ands, but it's about all the queers. You know, like when you get that existentialist perspective where you're just like, think about all the queers right? who suffered in this fucking way and God. I, I saw one clergyman who was like, oh, he's My the representation weeps. of all of religion. I'm like, okay, Jeez. all right. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. God, it's so upsetting. Um, final takes. Good, sir. Um, I want this to be the lowest I will possibly go, but I know it's not the case you because we did not lower. get Mariania. See, <laughs> after episode five, I was like, this is terrible. You were like, well, episode six is coming. So, you know, be prepared right, 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 for that. Right, right, here right. I am at episode six, like, all right. And I'm like, yeah, but episode I, seven. The, right, you're like, uh, right, it's, it's right, coming. It's right. coming. It's coming. Ugh. It's coming. And I don't want to lie to you about what you're going to experience. It's like, for that live recording, you were like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. You can send a jaunty email to Sally Wainwright if you so choose. But <laughs> it first started as a tweet. I could see me tweeting first. Sally, you've broken my heart. Yeah, I don't have any final takes except to say that I am super grateful for just this piece of content and all the other pieces of content we have found and discovered in relation to this main piece of content, gentlemen, Jack. And this is completely and totally random, but also related to the episode is that, let me ask you really quickly, because I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to ask other people this, and then I'm going to endeavor to find out, and who knows how long it'll take me to find out for facts, for, for like for real, for real. But, okay, do you think Ann Lister had more grubbles with Ann Walker in that three-month period of Grubble, you know what? Let's give it four months. In that four-month period of Grubble ridiculousness, like Grubble sports, do you think that there is another woman that potentially has more Grubbles in a four-month period with Ann Lister than Ann Walker? Um, well, Because really, that read. person seems like Mariana. Like, I don't know who else it could be well, besides Mariana. With a, with 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 some something to say for Mrs. Barlow, depending. But yeah, I'm just curious on what I, you think. I see where Sally decided to uh, frame her show about. So I'm sure if she had another contender, Series 1 could have been about that contender. Unless she's going in some sort of sequence. So here's what I'm saying. Here's where I am. Here's where my petty and my ridiculousness 
doesn't make any sense. So I'm saying it's going to be a project because I need to know. And that's where those things, that's where I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, that's why I'm good at certain tasks because my fixations on details is out of control. And so I'm just curious. Like, I'm curious about the data. Does Ann Lister grubble another woman within a four month period more frequently than she grubbles Ann Walker? In this period, because I would like to have all the facts. You know what that means, right? That means the algorithm. That means I have yep. to do it. Oh. And I that's why I say I don't know how long it's going to take me. I don't know when I'm going to have this answer definitively for people. And if anyone will care about this answer, but I care and I want to know. And so that's what um, that's what I'll be doing. I, I've, obviously, I've come around to this fact and I'm just like, okay, here's, here's what's happening. This is what's happening. I'm a historian now and there's no going back. No turning back. It's like, what do you call it? B, I just forgot how to spell, B-L, before Lestorian, A-L, A-L after Lestorian. After so we are on the A-L. <gasps> it's an acronym from Ann Lester. Am I, is it because I'm drunk that I find that really funny? No, that is also an acronym Thank you, thank you. Thank you for co-signing it. Okay, so that, that is what we are, Lestorians, right? By the by. After Terrence came up with the story in the last episode, we decided to make a shirt, like a little piece of merch, because we fancy ourselves historians a little bit. And all of you guys who are partaking in, I don't know, the fandom and reading and talking and discussing the extraordinary life of Ann Lister and Ann Walker. So I don't know when this shit's going to be posted if anybody wants it or gives a shit outside of our like Patreon supporters. I'll grumble tears. Shout out to you, motherfuckers. I don't know. But if something about it does appear, it'll probably be on Instagram. Matter of fact, well, actually, I'll have you give your little quick review on the first two minutes because we didn't do that and then we can just we can just i don't know fade away or something. i know like, they can't right. see my arm i'm right. like gesturing to um, the sun but uh, just so let's just see. um so the preview two minutes we're talking about right so yes yes we did we, watch the early two minutes of episode seven we notice before the credits what do we get what of note there an of note <laughs> of note was sure? you screaming about why is marion looking at that dude's junk like that that's yes. what you kept saying over and over but again i'm like because she's a head and mr to. abbott is out of the paint and i appreciate that sally was like let me objectify this dude bitch thomas. let me objectify this motherfucker thomas beach for marion who has not been smashed now if we had to guess is marion a virgin no so oh Okay. Oh, Terrence. Oh, that surprised me. Okay. Well, I don't even know where I was going to go after that. But uh, I'd be curious to know if you guys think Marion's a virgin as well. And we won't even go with diary, real life Marion, because who knows how that can be confirmed. But from the Marion that you, the impression of Marion that you get on the show, do you guys think she was a virgin? Terrence seems to think that when you stare at a beach crotch like that, that it does not indicate virginity. But I just think it indicates thirst. And why wouldn't there be a bunch of thirsty bitches in Halifax when people are here again? Oh, Remember the 11 percent, Terrence. Oh, Lord. Yes. These women need a liberation. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Lord of mercy. Why am I pouring some more gum? Because I have problems. I don't. I had a favorite line for this episode, but it left my brain with the booze. So I'm just going to go with the old faithful because I know it was in this episode. And quite frankly, petticoats always destroyed across timelines and continents. And that's 226 pounds, 17 shillings, six pence. Oh, yes. I, th- I that's hot. Every time Amlister says it, I'm like, ah, yes. So then I guess my heavier number two would be her at the highlight of her uh, biggest um, strap swing, which was if strap you lay swing. another pike on another one of my stones on my road, all you bitches go to jail. And everyone stopped. Everyone stopped. 
Again, I hope some bitch was watching the wings like, my petticoats! My petticoats, Miss Lister! Miss Lister! Miss Lister, I know you see that Walker, but like, could I just get a moment? I mean, I think we both agree that one of our favorite versions of Anne, if not our favorite version outside of what she does with little Miss Walker, is business Anne, business yes. person Anne, doing math Anne, shutting men down Anne, Anne Lister with information, Anne Lister displaying her intelligence, Anne Lister doing man's work, Anne Lister going toe to toe with the phallus. Well, I, I think that's... Um... I'm I I I you see this is like my fourth fifth right. I, the brain cells are, I don't we, we y'all it's if this episode is is too jaunty um Lord blame the spirit of Van Lister and Ann Walker for right. imbuing us with this jaunt and thirst but also blame fucking Sally blame Sally Wainwright tweet her and say Sally look what you did you made such incredible content that it affected these jaunty gays so much that they went ridiculous on their normally organized podcast but is that a lie I think that's potential no no we do organize it just goes long I'm talking to myself at this point it's fine I'm just sit my rum and wait for you to give the social media rundown because uh, yes, I'm done. <laughs> so you can always reach us at uh, gentleman Jack Crack at uh, Gmail and our Instagram. We are gentleman Crack. And, are you sure, good friend? Yeah, gentleman Crack. <laughs> I'm fucking Twitter. with you. I'm fucking with you. And, and there's a Tumblr that I'm not allowed to play with yet, but um. Two episodes left to go. Dude, nothing's happening with I that Tumblr. So technically no one's playing around okay, with it. So and I see it. random, like, I feel like three or four people randomly follow us. And I'm like, you gentle souls. Because <laughs> nothing is happening on this Tumblr. Our At least rabbit. for our, like, our our desert-filled social means on Twitter and Instagram, we have made attempts. Like, there are attempts that are visual. Right, like, but on Tumblr, post- there's just the one. It was like the Thruppins Habeny Pear Cove, 226 yay. pounds. And so I was like, this is hot. Like, this is this is, this is is where we are. This is our kink right here. And that's that's the only reblog that exists on that damn thing. So uh, if you follow us there, thank you. <laughs> we did say daily talk of grubbling in the description. And while we do talk daily mm-hmm. of grubbling, it doesn't always make it all live. Yeah, that's the problem. Make it all that's the problem. But we have like this chat that we have. But we are working on some... <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. We are working on some stuff. Like we're trying to organize content yeah. so that if we like fridge it and it's like 20 things that then someone else can do it for us. But um, yeah, if you have extra comments that you want to share with us about do what it. you think Thomas and the, the eldest William sister are going to be doing together and why you feel like they're a perfect match. You know, you don't have to tell us because we don't really care. But I was about to say, bitch, what the fuck are you asking these people for? I don't want to hear nothing about Thomas. I mean, I like right. Thomas. Thomas is a sweetheart. I want Thomas to have the world. Just have it elsewhere on like the time like or just fast forward to the world like yes, you could skip forward. all thomas development with this little girl and i'll be like okay i believe it i believe they're married because i believe it now i believe they will get married right now you don't have to show me another scene with those two and i'm like yes they're made for each other sally said it it is done it is fine let's move on oh yeah if you feel so inclined leave a review we like all the stars if you if you can oh, well we'll do like a little um a little giveaway so what can we give away um I'm wondering. Well, I mean, it's not like we're not surrounded by things. It's yeah, just... we're trying to do a giveaway. <laughs> we're trying to do a giveaway. We have a lot of things. Uh, you lovely Patreon supporters. Getting in packages, we'll see, like, what is up with these two? What did they just send me? Right, like, why did you, what? what did you, how did you, what did you, how did you make this? Like, well, yeah, that's what I do with the way hours sometimes late at night. But, you know, um, we can oh randomize contest. and do right. uh, phantom swag for 
Yeah, so if you guys want to, I don't know, win some gentleman Jack crack, mm, groveling swag and stuff, we are going to be doing another, another, did we do one? We did the one on Twitter. We did a Twitter one. And that was a really bad version because we just, no promotion, no, we're just like, here, here, do this thing, retweet it, I don't know. But so this was a better idea given to us that like, if you guys are interested or you want to like maybe win some ridiculous swag from us, leave a review. So starting from today, whatever day this posts, somewhere about the end of October, till the end of November. Yeah. So you leave a review with um, your favorite line from any one of the episodes we've done and we will do the drawing for who wins this. Oh, is that a way that you want it done? So like someone will leave like a favorite line in the review? Or right. And we'll, it- we can have it going for a couple of weeks. I think that was our problem is that we were like, let's do a competition. It's two days. That's that's yeah that's, that's not, not that's not we failed so a whole month what do you think that that works so, from so that enough people have a time to 20. to hear it or do it yeah so starting now for 30 days anyone who listens to this podcast if you want to leave a review with your favorite line from any episode you're automatically entered to win some prizes and when november 30th runs around we will do the drawing live if you do bother to enter, just make sure you remember what your username is and like tune back in when we are going to announce the winners so we can get you some fun swag and shit. We like yeah. to give stuff away. Let us let us do it, please. Otherwise, it's just going to clutter the studio. And I mean, it already is. It already is. It is. It People does. come in like those Ann Walker things. I'm like, yo, first of all, don't touch. But um, <laughs> that's the first. Of also, foremost. yeah, <laughs> it's for our grubble tears. So, yeah, I'm now to the point of ramble. But I think that's what I wanted to say. I don't know if there's anything else to add. If we will, we will add it on the interwebs. So as a uh, guess in summation, you already know, uh, love us, like us, leave us comments and reviews. <laughs> love us, like memes. us, leave us. That sounds like a horrible R&B song to break it my heart. Does. Love us, like us, leave us. Why? And first of all, why in that order? Love us, then like us, then leave us. It sounds like it you're trying to put on, me back in the dofuls. It depends on what social media is. Like, I feel like the Insta is the heart, right? Or one of those is the Facebook is the like. Well, you could do loves on Facebook now, too. So just love us everywhere. And then leave us comments and reviews on our... Uh, which one? Is this like the the Apple podcast where the reviews are are left um or? yes i think apple podcast is the only way to do it but like spotify has things now so maybe you can do it there i don't know if that's and this is horrible that i'm like yeah people I don't <laughs> uh so if you can get to apple podcast that's wonderful um if there's a way to do a google podcast review for us I say take a stab at it. We'll get in touch We're like, with our... If you figure out how to do a review that's right. different than what we said, that is an entry. <laughs> yeah, well, if we can find it, we'll we'll include it. I mean, why not? I, I'm trying to make sure everybody can walk away here. Uh, being I know, we just want to give some stuff away. That's all. So, um, I guess reach back out to us as we have now reached the end. Grubbles come back. <laughs> You can blame it all on me. I know these listeners think we are the most ridiculous. No. Right. They're like, Lord. They're like, here they go again singing. To be a fly on that wall. Damn, they singing again. <laughs> well, daddy shall we do the damn thing? Until next time, guys, cue the jaunty music. And please prepare thyself for my podcast opus coming soon on Mariana motherfucking Martin, everyone's favorite ex. We love you guys. Bye.
we didn't see era lesbians. Oh my god. 